Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Happy Week 9 Game by Game Review Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Joining me on this lovely Sunday evening, just snuck it in three minutes before midnight, not quite Monday yet. The one MB fan, MB, MB Fantasy Lines, <laughs> final, finest, Dwayne The Rock McFarland. Man, I had the intro down all these years, Dwayne. We're still getting it. Still a great day to be great. How's it going, man? It's always a great day to be great with you, Hart. It's it's okay. Yeah, fantasylife.com. People got it. We're good. We'll do the whole free bit later that we're having a lot of fun <laughs> with. But yes, as always, Dwayne, MB Fantasy Life, PFF, collabing. Great day to be great. With that, everyone, you guys know what we're here to do. Breaking down every single bit of action from an eventful Sunday. Just had that, hey, pretty damn surprisingly good Sunday night football game. We'll get to that in just a bit. But first things first, guys, we're going to kick things off with the Detroit Lions taking down the Green Bay Packers 15 to 9, obviously covering us four point dogs under cash rather easily at 49 and a half. So yeah, with the Lions, uh, I think we got a good quote here at the end from Dan Campbell, Dwayne, that kind of summarizes this whole game. Uh, Dan Campbell said, be honest with you, I'm exhausted. I want to go home and drink a beer. And that kind of was what we saw from this Lions offense, because as great as it was to get this one, you beat the Packers, I get it, you know, restore the roar, Lions faithful, stand up. It just wasn't a good game for this offense. How could it be a good game for the offense when he only had 254 total yards in this one? So Jared Goff did get the pair of touchdowns, won the rookie Shane Mitchell, uh, I'm sorry, won the rookie James Mitchell. We also had Shane Zilstra finding the uh, end zone, Dwayne, and this one was one of the more tilting uh, touchdowns of the afternoon because first DeAndre Swift had a 12-yard catch down the one-yard line. They bring in Jamal Williams. We've already talked about how much we hate when coaches do this and they don't give the guy that got you to the one the extra chance guess what jamal williams got stuff and then of course we had to go feed uh shane zilstra that easy <laughs> touchdown also note that tom kennedy could have had a five-yard touchdown but pressure forced Goff to really just throw the ball into the dirt so really Dwayne, yeah not the best game for a monroe st brown but we still had nine targets the guy can't freaking be a wide receiver one every single week the big talking point here is what to make of this backfield because we did have jamal williams really leading the way 63 percent snaps and 24 carries the note on deandre swift like what they said before the game was that the plan was to get him in the game and quote unquote see where he's at well he looked pretty good where he was at 50 yards on just five touches ultimately though just 16 percent of the snaps in a game where craig reynolds actually got injured with ribs very early on didn't even end up registering registering an nfl uh an offensive snap so Dwayne, overall thoughts on just what to i guess make of this backfield here moving forward because it sure doesn't seem like we're getting 100 percent healthy deandre swift back anytime soon yeah, it makes it really tough. Um, and I don't I don't know how we're going to be able to decipher like when he's going to be ready. Like, I, I don't know how much the coaches will tell us. Like, uh, you know, my guess is, you know, because we've seen this for a couple of years now with DeAndre Swift, like he'll just be questionable the whole week. You know, he'll be limited in practice all the time. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll get lucky and they'll let us know more. But I mean, I downgraded him this week to a low end RB2. And I really told folks expect RB3 workload. But like, you know, we have six teams on by. So he's still an RB2 because we have six teams on by. And we had a lot of good running backs out this week. Um, but if we go back to his last four games now, um, you know, his highest rushing attempt share is 27%. Today he was only at 6%. And the other, the other games, he at least was getting all the passing down work. This week, only 36% of the long down and distance. They did not use the two-minute offense today because, you know, the game was close or they were leading over the Packers. But, yeah, it's really problematic for Swift. But he's one of those guys, Ian, like, what are you going to do? Like, are you just going to bench DeAndre Swift? Like, you really need a better option. Like, this week, even though some of them didn't work out, like, I thought people made the right move. Like, if you went with Foreman or you went with, 
you know, Deion Jackson. Like, look, I, I get that those guys didn't come through, but they had the roles that you wanted, or at least you thought they were going to have the role you wanted. Whereas Swift, we really had seen kind of a trend. So for me right now, I think you treat him more as a high-end RB3, you know, with upside. You still, it needs to be a good back to put DeAndre Swift on your bench. Hopefully he can at least still be in like a flex spot. We'll just have to monitor, man, like these these injury reports. But it it sounds like, you know, this could be something that lingers all year. I mean, DeAndre Swift told reporters this week that his, his shoulder, his shoulder, he might not be 100% the rest of the season. Yeah, it is funny how it worked out. I mean, not funny because I wish that all of your fantasy players out there could score a bunch of points every single week. But the amount of questions involving guys like Deion Jackson, Deontay Foreman, Jamal Williams, Antonio Gibson, Devin Singletary, everyone in that mid-tier RB2 range, unfortunately, just couldn't quite get going. So I was with you, Dwayne. I had Swift as my RB25. I said, hey, if you have Claude Edwards Solaire, we're starting Deandre Swift over him. And you know, <laughs> other than that, a lot of times it was going to be the other guy. I always appreciate our guy Mojo in the, in the uh, YouTube comments. Comments and he was bringing up the Lil Wayne tweet, Wheezy, you know, Wheezy F Baby talking about his uh, Green Bay Packers, big fan over the years. Lil Wayne, though, he's given up, Dwayne. He tweeted, rip to the season. We should have gotten rid of 12 before the season. Strong words from arguably the greatest. Man, give this dude some receivers. I, I, I will take Aaron Rodgers. Like, I'm watching him throw. I Look, I get it. He, he's trying to do everything he can. Man, he hasn't lost anything off, like, the fastball or anything. Yeah. His you know, arm strength I mean, is fine. He can make the throws. He, he's Yeah, exactly. So he didn't all of a sudden go brain dead. Aaron Rodgers is fine. He can still play football at a very high level. It's just tough, man. Like when you're dealing with, you know, all the injuries and the players they have missing and they just didn't really go get anyone. It's hard. It's hard to be a really good quarterback in the NFL without a lot without weapons. Like look at Tua. Do we really think Tua is better than Aaron Rodgers? No freaking way. You put Aaron Rodgers in Miami – we're talking 400 yards a game, five touchdown passes. Like, that's what's happening. So, a little context. And, and I get it. Like, it's tough. It's tough. But no way. Aaron Rodgers is not washed. Like, I'll put money on that. And same thing with Tom Brady. No part of these bad starts has it been like, oh, these guys can't make those throws anymore. And, you know, I think, uh, I believe it was Steven Ruiz over at the ringer. Could have been Ben Salk. They both have fantastic stuff. But just yeah, talking yeah. about Rodgers, like, okay, maybe, you know, you can talk about him not quite being at the MVP level of the past two seasons, but even 90% of that, which I'm very confident in saying he definitely is still at least 90% of that, you know, should be better than getting these nine points out there. So Dwayne mentioned the injuries. I mean, first catch of the game, Romeo Dobbs goes out there. Makes a nice play and immediately injures his ankle. I mean, we actually had one of the Packers beat writers joking around about them running out of crutches and walking boots because we had Dobbs carted off, ruled out, right foot in a boot, plus crutches after the game. Aaron Jones ruled questionable to return with an ankle injury. He also has left foot in a boot. Seems like tentatively he might have avoided that high ankle sprain he was able to run off the field some of the early returns from our lovely twitter fantasy doctors have been optimistic about it but certainly something we're going to need to monitor then also christian watson man this is one of those terrible situations where he was already in the concussion protocol and then he had to go back into it today so not exactly sure what the final verdict was on that but it's one of those things Dwayne, where none of us like this wide receiver group and group of pass catchers like as a whole like just objectively it was a bottom 10 group going through the year and then with these guys get hurt there's really no one else except for your guy alan lazard Dwayne, who keeps putting on you know some pretty good weeks one after another when he can be out there specifically this year man he's gone over 100 yards or scored a touchdown in his basically non-injured games this year and even in that game when he hurt his shoulder he had 55 yards so i hear you in terms of and never you know we don't need to go back and reassess everything we've talked <laughs> about but at this point 
when you take away the only somewhat competition he had, I mean, Sammy Watkins can barely move out there these days. Al Lazard, man, he's going to probably keep seeing 10-plus targets a week, and it's going to be tougher and tougher to keep him out of that top 30. Yeah, what's interesting, the thing that's kind of saving Lazard, really, is the fact that the Packers suck, and they're having to throw more. They can't run the ball like they want to, so it's creating more passing opportunities. He's getting around, he's averaging right around the 20% target share that we kind of said was, hey, that's in his range of outcomes. Yeah. But we thought this would be a team that would be running the ball, you know, quite a bit, right? And they would be trying to lean into that. That just hasn't worked out, the trailing game scripts. I will give Lazard, you know, credit. Like, he's a great, like, tight coverage type catch guy. You know, I mean, and he and Rodgers do really seem to have, like, that game was on a lot today on red zone for whatever reason. <laughs> but every time I looked up, Alan Lazard was, you know, nearly making a big play. Like, he barely met, like, he could have had a really big day today. Like, there were some penalties, some things that really caught up to him in the end from just keeping him from having a, a huge box score. But yeah, the targets were nice today, 26%. And again, Rodgers does seem to trust him. Um, Alan Lazard, again, like, I don't think he's the kind of guy you're going to force it to that often if you have another option. Um, but you know, we're in a scenario right now where who do the Packers have? Like, I was really disappointed on the Christian Watson thing because I went and picked him up a ton this morning, just like men bid stuff. But just knowing that really, you know, Romeo Dobbs, as much as we like him, like he's kind of struggled the last few weeks, right? Lazard's been banged up. We know Lazard's going to be out there, but he's been banged up. And and like Tanyan, you know, had done some okay things, but they were just really needing something to help them pop. So I was I was real disappointed. Like when we saw that Christian Watson was hurt again, the guy just hasn't been able to catch a break from an injury standpoint, but they need somebody to help supercharge the offense. They need someone that can stretch the field out. They need someone that they can get to the get the ball to in space and let them make a play. Like, I just, you know, they don't have anyone like that. I mean, dude, Sammy Watkins, what the heck? Well, and like, to your point about, like, Dobbs, like, he has kind of played more like Lazard this year. I mean, when you just look at yeah, the, yeah. the Bills game, okay, he finally gets some stuff going. But those are still, you know, 50-50 contested catch situations. Watson, since the first play of the season when he dropped that long touchdown, he's been the one difference maker they have in that offense that actually seems to bring a different element of speed to the group they have out there. So, unfortunate. Hope he gets better. Hope. I mean, the whole offense is banged up. It's tough to the be The writing was sure. on the wall from that first route. <laughs> for the whole season i mean thinking back to it now like i just thought oh man they'll make up for that later that was a big yeah. play like the rookie will come you know but man it's kind of it was kind of a symptomatic right of really just this yeah. packers offense they've done some fly sweeps you see the speed here and there but again can't yeah. stay on the field obviously not going to have many opportunities there so stay tuned i mean aj Dillon. he's not like i'm sure we'll have some people like oh go get aj Dillon off the waiver wire and then ten thousand people you know just completely throw stones via twitter at the person for even suggesting <laughs> that aj Dillon could be on a waiver wire so i'm not going to be that guy just realize dylan has been you know a tier one handcuff for me all season long because when jones is out and similar to if dylan was going to be out we are not expecting kylan hill to be at all an issue in there so aaron jones did actually only play 43 percent of the snaps he was ruled out fairly early into the second half in this one maybe midway through the third quarter and they had kylan hill active didn't take anything off the plate of aj dylan so definitely going to be one of the more important injury reports to watch all week long final notes as Dwayne said really was almost a huge day for Lazard he did have a big catch down just short at the one yard line then AJ Dillon got stuffed just short the problem Dwayne is Aaron Rodgers good arm success aside three interceptions thrown to targets that were inside the five yard line or in the end zone today over the last five years combined he only had four of those and if I had to guess man easily could have been a couple just hail Mary whatever's at the end of the game so uncharacteristic mistakes there from Aaron Rodgers but you guys have seen the touchdown to interception ratios over the years hopefully 
hopefully that's going to disappear. But in terms of this upside, really coming back to this Packers game, we keep on hoping it's going to be next week. Not going to be easy one. Now, the few explosive players that you already had aren't even going to be there. Hey, Vikings. one real quick, one real quick thing on this one because we've talked about him multiple times, and I know people ask. Uh, Robert Tunyon, we had seen him like in this great trend. I did not see anything. So if you if you've heard, you can tell us in the chat. I didn't see anything about an injury, but it went back to this complete three way split. He was only out there 44% of the routes today. You had 35% to Josiah DeGuara, and then you had Mercedes Lewis for 15%. So he had a big yeah, catch. I, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with the Tunyon thing. I'm hoping we hear that it was something, maybe he tweaked something in the game and you know he'll work through it this week and be fine because we had seen him up around 70% and really had been like the second, the number two target for a couple of weeks. So um, Robert Tunyon took a step back today. It's not good when our question with the usage is like, well, hopefully he got hurt a little bit because if he didn't get hurt, then what the hell are we doing here? That's not helping us at all. Vikings took down the commanders 20 to 17. You're seven and one Minnesota Vikings keep on winning, but we're going to call them good, not great. And remember, good teams win, great teams cover. And they did push as three point favorites there under cash rather easily at 43 and a half. So yeah, seven and one Vikings, man, just dealing me one of my many L's of the weekend. I did not really believe the TJ Hawkinson featured role coming to fruition. Guess what? Caught all nine of his targets for 70 scoreless yards. Also had Justin Jefferson returning to the end zone for the first time since week one. No, that's not an indictment on Justin Jefferson not being good this year. Still very much incredible. Fifth in yards per out run, sixth in PFF receiving grade. You know, your favorite wide receiver's favorite wide receiver. Good seeing that gritty again, though, in action. Even Dalvin Cook got in on the scoring with a pretty beautiful wheel route from Kirk Cousins, who was absolutely feeling himself in the plane ride afterwards. You know, chain on, shirt off, just going bonkers with the boys on the plane. I, Dwayne, my biggest takeaway from that video, though, those guys were jumping up and around like madmen on a plane, man. I'd be kind of... <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of scared doing that up there, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But I guess, again, we, we, we know what we have in Dalvin. We know what we have in Jefferson. When TJ Hawkinson got traded, Dwayne, I didn't really think it was that big of a difference. I consider him a top eight fantasy tight end, and I still considered him that in Minnesota. I didn't think it was going to lead this newfound ceiling for him. Maybe a little bit more consistency because, yeah, I'll take Cousins over Jared Goff, you know, more weeks than not. But did you see anything out of Hawkinson here that could indicate that we are going to see a new side of his fantasy upside? At, at a minimum, was he at least playing a full-time role? Because we did see Irv Smith, even if it was only losing 30 40% of the snaps and routes to Johnny Munt, he didn't have that every-down role that we wanted prior to them bringing in Hawk. Yeah, so you saw Hawk out there, 91% of the snaps, 86% route participation today. Both of those numbers are elite, 26% target share, 24% targets per route run. So yeah, I think I mean, he's fine. I'm with you. I, I'm not necessarily moving him up. He's a mid-range tight end one, right? Like he's... He's just below like that elite tier. Um, he's going to give you some really good weeks. Like we saw earlier in the season, he had that huge week, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's, it's tough to make him more than like tight end six, tight end five, I, but, but I think he's fine. You know, he's in a functional offense. He'll probably have weeks where he's the third target. Um, he's going to have weeks where he's the second target. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is, is the alpha, but it's really going to be Hawkinson and Adam Thielen that are battling, you know, for who gets to be number two on most weeks. Now on to the Washington side of things. Taylor Heineke, who has had some fun moments, guys. But when I did check the old PFF passing grades, I believe he is dead last among 38 qualified quarterbacks this year. Because as great as some of these highlights are, I mean, we saw the most Taylor Heineke play of all time today when he got a 49-yard ref-aided touchdown to a triple coverage Curtis Samuel, who somehow not only went up and caught this ball between two or three defenders, managed to not get touched on his way into the end zone. Just really it wasn't great other than that. So again, we've seen 
seen some big moments. Again, the the witching hour has been like all over the commanders basically the last three weeks. And you go out there, you get the win. You wear Jordans in the postgame presser. You know, who am I to say anything bad about that guy? At the end of the day, though, in his three starts, just 23, 17, and 17 points. I don't think this is going to be an offense, Dwayne, where we can't expect more than one high-ish and fantasy asset to emerge out of it during any given week. It was Terry McLaurin the previous two weeks. This week it was Curtis Samuel. And unfortunately, with that in mind, again, I, I accept that. I'm not ex- expecting Taylor Haneke to go out there and Curtis and Terry to be top 24 guys any given week. And I think that's reasonable at this point. The troubling part here was a backfield that didn't include J.D. McKissick with a neck injury. And it caused a lot of us, I'm going to say a lot of us, when it was me. I don't know about you, Dwayne, but I certainly put, there we go. I think a lot of us, we put Antonio Gibson back up in that top 20, expecting him to really be the guy receiving. And he's been fantastic when asked to do that this year. Top three among running backs and PFF receiving grade yards per outrun, all that. Only three targets out there, though. And Brian Robinson went ahead and had the lead in carries 13 to 11. So, Dwayne, again, first week here without J.D. McKissick. It's good we didn't see a Jonathan Williams pop up out of the blue like it was only the two running backs between Gibson and Robinson. But having this data point now, if McKissick is going to continue to miss time, how would you be ranking Gibson and Robinson roughly down the road? Yeah, Antonio Gibson's a mid-range RB2 on a full slate. Today, he was almost more like a high-end RB2. The utilization also backed that up. 100% of the long down and distance work, 100% of the two-minute offense, the stuff that he'd normally been been giving to McKissick, and he kept the role that he had before, which was kind of, you and I had talked about it multiple times. Once they drafted Brian Robinson, we were like, we don't want anyone to get hurt, but like Gibson's path to relevance here is McKissick missing time. And so he's got the neck injury. He's going to see a specialist. Don't know for sure what's going to happen with McKissick. Hope everything's fine for him. But there's a chance here that you're really looking at Antonio Gibson in you know this kind of a role for an extended period. It's funny, Ian. This is how fantasy football works. Antonio Gibson is a guy that for the last three weeks has been like, come on, guys, you can't use him. He doesn't have a good role. Keep scoring fantasy points. This week he gets the role. He does nothing. Playing against the Vikings, run the second most zone coverage in the league. Antonio Gibson gets peppered. You know, running backs in general get peppered with targets against high zone coverage. Teams. The process was right. The process was right, and you got to use the Denny Carter, like the aging, you know, the aging <laughs> face. The process was right. But so I'm still good with Gibson, you know. And in fact, like if we were to get any sort of news that let us know that McKissick is going to be out longer than we think, I doubt we get that. We probably really won't know what's going on with him. Um, but if we had that, I would go buy low on Antonio Gibson. So he would be moving like immediately, like he flip flops. He was a sell high the last three weeks. And if we thought all of a sudden we knew McKissick was going to miss an extended amount of time, Gibson becomes a buy with this role. He's also, man, Brian Robinson just doesn't look very good. Like, so that's my other challenge. Like he, he's just a, a dude right now. Right. I mean, not, not saying the guy couldn't improve, but he's just a guy out there taking handoffs. Like it doesn't look good. Now he did get all of the work inside the 10 today. 100% of that went to Brian Robinson. So that wasn't good for Gibson because he had been picking up a lot of that work. Now, some of that, Like Washington wasn't inside the 10 that often today. Sometimes that can just come down to who happens to be on the field right at a certain time, um, depending on the way the drive works out. But no, I'm, I'm bullish on Antonio Gibson for as long as McKissick is out. I would be willing to go back to the well on Gibson again next weekend. Healthy Gibson this year, man, definitely looked more like the rookie we saw versus the guy in 2021 playing through that constant foot injury. So I I think Robinson, maybe obviously before the gunshot, it'd make a lot more sense if he was running better and feeling better. I think we can all wrap our minds around that. Perhaps Washington thought he did win the job. I mean, he did win the job in August, and now they're still giving him the benefit of the doubt here for a bit. But either way, two running back committees we can live with, three or four. It gets complicated. For now, Washington is back to two. 
Chargers took down the Falcons 20 to 17, covering as two and a half point favorites, the under cash at 50. So Chargers offense continues to be pretty condensed. And at this point, they don't really have another choice of both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out of the picture. So Austin Eckler continuing to do Austin Eckler things. He is now on pace to catch 128 passes this year, zero touchdowns in weeks one through three. He has 10 in weeks four through nine right now since 2010, averaging the eighth most PPR points per game among any running backs as always. Austin Eckler. It's a great day to be his fantasy manager. Dwayne, in terms of the passing game, though, this was the question. Now, Josh Palmer, a very popular addition start this week, I should say, because of the matchup, league worst defense and PPR points per game allowed to wide receivers, and they were missing a lot of the starters, including A.J. Terrell and Casey Hayward. Now, my thought with Palmer had him as like an upside wide receiver three. It was that, yeah, Mike Williams was out of the picture, but Keenan's already been gone the whole season. I didn't know that this was that big of a leap for Palmer versus what he's had the rest of the year, which he really hasn't put up that many great numbers. Did you see anything with his usage this week? And I guess leaving Keenan and Mike out of the equation that gives you more confidence for Palmer being someone to consistently rank inside the top 24. Cause again, this was a guy that we were, pretty we were on pretty much you know throughout the offseason yeah. and then we were disappointed by what he was able to do without Keenan in the picture to start it off no I think he played a terrible secondary and I mean he played well I mean the Falcons have been lit up by everyone the Panthers lit the Falcons up we can just stop right there okay like so Palmer's fine I think you know but I think you were right I had him and I had him as a high-end wide I had him as a wide receiver three with upside that basically said he could you know, end up with a decent target share game. And that worked out because you know, we all, we know that the chargers are pass heavy. They were dropping back to pass 67% of their plays today. You know, he had nine targets, eight receptions, 106 yards, but nothing that I saw that just says, Oh my God, like now we got to have him, you know, as anything higher than this. And, and maybe we get Keenan back. I don't know. There's like scar tissue and all sorts of stuff going on with him. We, I, there's a chance we get another game like this with Palmer. And so I would still, though, and a full slate, right? Well, it won't be full, but we won't have as many teams on by next week. I think you're still going to struggle to move him inside the top 24. But I think you can feel really comfortable with him as a wide receiver three, and you know that he could come through, you know, like he did today. So I think that's fine. Gerald Everett, like, is the bigger story to me. He had an 80% route participation, where normally he's been around 60%. Now, some of that could have been Donald Parham was out today. And Parham doesn't do a lot, but you and I talk about this all the time. It's what there, there are these players that we look at and they're like, oh, that doesn't matter. Like that player doesn't matter. But that little bit that they take is coming away from a player like Everett. Right. And yep. so he'll be out there 15 percent. Right. 20 percent of routes. Really, Trey McKitty is the next guy. Yeah. Um, but it was Everett at 80 percent today. But the thing that gives me confidence is Richard Rogers kind of took over the Donald Parham role. He was out there 11% of the routes. You had Trey McKitty out there 22%. And so you had Everett at 80%. And some of that could also come back to they're just short on receivers, right? It's just like, okay, what are we going to do? Like just Gerald Everett. Maybe they just treated Gerald Everett more like a receiver today on certain in certain situations. He didn't come through necessarily in the box score. He had 8.6. Didn't kill you for a tight end. 8.6 fantasy points in a PPR. But he had an 18% target share. And they were moving him around quite a bit. 53% of the time he lined up in the slot. So I like Everett, uh, just like, you know, Palmer's that high-end wide receiver three. I think Everett's a mid-range, you know, tight end one if we get another week without Allen, and we know that Mike Williams probably is already out for next week. And Everett really has looked good throughout the entire season, other than the one play where he had the, like, what, monster game. They tried to throw the ball to him when he was 
obviously gassed on the field and then it got picked six. It's hard to look bad in those way. powder blue uniforms wearing a <laughs> with a damn visor. Like he just, he just looks like a badass. <laughs> I, I, I told you, Dwayne, I, you know, I, I am in the process of planning my uh, own feature wedding here, which is all happy and great. But I, I, three main things. I was like, we can't do this on a college football or NFL Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm not doing that. We need to have an open bar. And my third request was, can we make the color of the chargers powder blue? And I got a big no <laughs> on that one, but you know, shoot or shoot. So it is, is what it is on the other side of the ball the atlanta falcons our king is back the one true king cordero patterson limited usage in the pregame lead up and guess what it really did come to fruition here just 38 percent of the snaps 13 carries and one target guess what Dwayne? doesn't matter when you're one of the best players in nfl history with the football in your hands two touchdowns and my god that poor defender that got in his path you know i heard people arguing about why you know can offensive players lower their head like that when a defender would get flagged and yeah it's a very good point but when it's cordero patterson i don't care i'm gonna ignore all <laughs> rational logic and just accept how good this guy has been five touchdowns in five games this year i mean before going on ir he was the rb5 dudded with an rb52 rb6 rb32 now he's looking at another top 10 finish that said Dwayne, as happy as i am about the results here I don't think he looked bad at all out there. Like this was not second half coming back from the ankle injury too soon. 2021 Cordero Patterson. He looked fantastic. That usage though, wasn't great. And to give some credit to Tyler Algier, he did really have a great game here and had about 123 total yards in his own right on 11 touches. We have seen Arthur Smith time and time again give Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley, who did not disappear from this game either. He went ahead and had, you know, seven carries himself. We've seen Arthur very willing to spread this thing out around the entire backfield. How confident are you in Cordero Patterson keeping this up? I can't believe I'm saying this, Dwayne. This feels like a sell high for me. I think it is a sell high, um, but the Falcons' commitment to the run game and all game strips also helps him, right? So if you're going to be in a three-way backfield, you at least need to be in a very run-heavy offense that's just you know determined. Like no matter what, they're going to do this. And Arthur Smith has shown us he will do that. He does not, he can be getting his ass kicked by 21 points and he will keep running the ball. So that does help Corderell Patterson out. The other thing is we could see him expand his usage a little bit, right? Yeah. We did get the pregame thing saying that, you know, it could be a little bit more limited. He did end up leading the backfield in rushing attempts, 41%, 29% to Algier, 21% to Caleb Huntley. So, I mean, if he gets that number to around 50, 55% and an offense this run heavy, Ian, like it's, it's more like a running back in a normal offense being like at 60%, yeah. you know, of the rushing attempts. So I think there's still a path for Patterson here. I would not be afraid to sell high though, um, because he did get the two rushing touchdowns, 57% of the touches inside the 10 or sorry, the snaps inside the 10 did go to Cordero Patterson. He did lead the team there, but you mentioned it. The other guys were also still involved. You know, it was a three-way rotation. Hell, Avery Williams still even needed to get out there. He had 22% of the long down and distance. It's so little. So Man, little. the thing I don't get, like, is why can't, and it's probably because they're wanting to give him so many carries, but like, I would just love to, I would be fine. Like, just let Patterson be 35, 40% of the rushing attempts, but let him get all the two minute offense, let him get all the long down and distance stuff. And I, I would be more happy with that role than right now. It's like, okay, let's try to get him to 50% of the rushing attempts. And, and maybe I'm wrong for that because of what we just talked about. This is a run heavy offense. I mean, I probably am wrong for that. I mean, if you look down, if all I have to do is look down my stat sheet, Kyle Pitts had a 30% target share. So did uh, Drake London. It oh, didn't man. freaking matter. <laughs> you know, they scored 4.7 and 5.3 fantasy points in a PPR respectively. So maybe Patterson's in the perfect role here. Uh, you know, so we'll, we'll have to, we'll see, but the, the run heavy thing does help him. 
I think he could be, and we'll see if this offense stays as a top 10, top 12 unit, as I've been very diligent about continuing to remind people as much as we want to get mad about Arthur not throwing the ball to our favorite fantasy assets out there. I think CPAC can be similar to Jamal Williams, uh, Miles Sanders, kind of what they're able to do in their offenses because I don't see the pass down rule coming. And guess what? Sanders and Jamal have had fantastic weeks when the touchdowns are there. But if someone is confusing CPAT as this, you know, locked in top 12 RB1 the rest of the way, that's where you can go sell high on him but yeah sorry guys i was gonna move on but Dwayne wants to go ahead and talk about the sad stuff here so i guess we gotta get into it drake london no, we don't have to <laughs> just real quick i'm messing with you i was doing it anyway uh drake london now has not cleared 40 yards or caught five passes in six straight games since you know doing basically all those things in the first three weeks of the year and this week guys kyle pitts 202 air yards the most on the week 175 unrealized air yards i track these every week that might be the single highest mark in a game this season the one that i'm not sure if you guys all saw it that really broke the heart 73 yards out this should have been at least 50 yards and a, yeah. even a decent pass should have been a walk-in touchdown instead we got an overthrown and completion this has got to be second to a lave right yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he like had that one that was, <laughs> was nuts like early. But this is the most that I've ever, that I can remember ever for a tight end. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, well, I, I we'll call him a tight end one. now. We'll call him a tight end now. We'll call him a tight end for the sake of this argument. <laughs> You're right, though. That's a good call. Definitely Alave in that uh, in that wild three-week Jameis Chris Alave period that you know we had going on there. Uh, final two just shooshes from this game. I forgot to mention Austin Eckler nearly had this 37-yard touchdown where he pulled the classic roll over the defender, and the first replay looked like he pulled it off, and then we saw that you know stupid elbow that had to hit the ground and make him down. Also, DeAndre Carter had a nice catch and got down just short of the goal line. So. Cal Pitts, Drake London, awesome players, not getting awesome opportunity. Going to have to continue to live with a lot of these games. Really exciting one here. Dolphins took down the Bears 35-32. Chicago did cover as four-point dogs, mostly to, thanks to Justin Fields' at continued excellence out there. Better part of the last six weeks now. And the over easily cashed at 46. I would not be surprised if these Chicago overs just continue to keep going up and up and up as the defense continues to squander and as long as Justin Fields continues to look good. But first things first, Tyreek Hill and this incredible passing game. At this point, Tyreek Hill on pace for 143 catches, 2,085 receiving yards this is one of his better performances yet per pff caught all seven of his targets for 143 yards and a touchdown seven first downs 158.3 perfect passer rating when targeted i mean this passing game and the offense as a whole dwayne's as good as anyone in the league yards per play epa per play they're right there and the only teams ahead of them chiefs bills and the eagles and as much as we can sit here we can talk about the underthrown deep balls from Tua because they're on film every single week. I mean, Jalen Waddle at the end of the game should have had a 77-yard house call that would have sealed things. Instead, it was thrown just too underthrown, and it might even be charged a drop because Waddle did get back to it, but should have never been in that position. Tyreek Hill drew a 33-yard defensive pass interference penalty in the end zone. A good ball. He's probably, you know, doing one of his crazy gymnastic celebrations that he hadn't done since, like, week two or something. Dwayne, that was the crazy uh, part from this game. We found out Tyreek, like Justin Jefferson, him, hadn't scored in quite some time and then even later when you know we did finally see Tyreek go ahead and catch a nice little 39 yard chunk gain it was another play where yeah if the ball would have been put out there better he would have scored and I agree with you Dwayne if Aaron Rodgers was here it would be 400 yards every week but there are so many of these opportunities it just doesn't matter it's crazy to say and, this and but Tua 
Tua, it's not even an arm strength thing. Like, he just needs to get a little quicker on the release. Like, just getting the ball out a tad sooner, like, so that they can just be running under these things. It's like he just waits a tad long, and then he doesn't have the arm strength. And a tad long, like, with these two guys, like, you know, I mean, with with many receivers, you would be fine. But with these two, like, I don't know. I feel like it could some of it could still be correctable um, for Tua. He's never going to change his arm strength, right? I mean, he could he could make it a little bit better, but if he could just get the ball out a tad earlier, did you see the thing that Anthony Tresh put out? I'm sure you did over at PFF. No, I with didn't. the play, dude, you got to go watch this whiteboard. He breaks down. Like, oh no, no, that, that wasn't Tresh. That was Seth Galina. How dare you? Oh, was it? Sorry, might not say that. I didn't mean Galina. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, sorry. incredible, sorry, incredible stuff. Yeah, awesome. And dude, like every time the red zone was on, it was that. It was showing that same con- <laughs> the same concept. Tyree kills in motion. You know, he's either running the the wheel route, the bullet route, a crosser off of it. You know, he stays in the. Fl- it's just like just it's putting the defense in a complete blender, and it's like just basically all these little these little minute changes off the same exact play over and over and over, and the defense is just sitting there guessing. I haven't played Madden in like four or five years, but like watching that video made me think I wanted to play Madden, like just so I could be with the Dolphins, like and try to run something like this. And just, you know, you just want to make someone rage quit when they can't stop like two or three. It would end up being me because I'm the boomer now. I would just not be able to stop anyone on defense. But yeah, it's uh, it's crazy watching it. And it's uh, it's good stuff. man. Awesome video from uh, Seth Galena. Make sure you guys check that out. And basically, as he drew it out, and I think uh, Trevor Sikama, who is the host of It's Just yes. Football, which you can catch on PFF every single day. Like at the end, just this board that Seth had just gone to town on for like five minutes, marker everywhere. And Trevor's just <laughs> like, this is art right here. Like this is an actual canvas that has been, you know, taken down by a Picasso. But Seth's main point with it was that on this play they run, that they run again and again and again, to Dwayne's point, Five different options. They started off with a ho-hum potential handoff to Raheem Mostert. If he's not there, Tua can run it himself, or he has a triangle of options in guys like Mike Dusicki and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And that's what's made this offense so damn dangerous. It's, look, I'm not here to completely slander Tua. He's done a lot of really, really good things yeah. this year. And just, again, just because he underthrows a deep ball that they complete for 40 yards anyway doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, Dwayne, you look at it, and it's not like every other quarterback is just routinely, you know, hitting their guys in stride 40 yards downfield and when you look at it throwing 20 plus yards downfield he's pff's second highest graded quarterback oh you hate pff stats that's fine he's the second highest rated passer he's number one in yards per attempt and he's number one in adjusted completion rate i understand i test Tua is not the best deep ball passer in the nfl but he's the most efficient. So who really cares? The points count the same in real life and fantasy. We just need to live with it. Uh, no real injuries in this one. I did notice Waddle hobbling at one point. He has been on the injury report, though. I didn't see it influence any of his future plays. So that takes us to another rather incredible performance, that being Justin Fields. My goodness, man. Last five weeks, QB 12, QB 9, QB 5, QB 5. And best believe this will probably be a QB 1 performance. Shout out to Former PFF, now doing great things at Fantasy Points. Scott Barrett for bringing it to my attention. 178 rushing yards, the most by any QB in a regular season game of all time. It was incredible, Dwayne, and it's not anything that should really be surprising us. He has seven-plus carries in every game this season. He hasn't been held under 47 rushing yards since week two. 
we got three passing touchdowns on the table. I mean, Fields has been someone I've had him in, you know, the top 12 for a while. I don't think he's like breaking into the QB one conversation or anything. I mean, I don't think this snuck up on us, but I remember doing waivers with Nathan last Tuesday. And this is still a guy only owned like in 26% of ESPN leagues out there. So it's one of these things, man, where with fields, I've got, I got the question several times before the game started, like Tua versus Justin Fields rest of the season. Hey, Fields is looking like that dual threat alien that we prioritize over all these other quarterbacks. Are we ready to start treating him that way on an every week basis? Yeah, so I I mean, I've been writing about Fields for like the last three or four weeks. I know you have to um, be trying to get everybody to pick him up because he continues to be available a little more picked up now over on uh, Yahoo stuff. But yeah, on ESPN, it's been kind of crazy, like how he still just remains, you know, sitting there. Um, but yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. He's a guy that we talked about a lot in the preseason. Yeah. And, and we look, I mean, he only had 123 yards passing today. Now he's very efficient. He threw three touchdowns, but the ability to run is just the cheat code. I mean, you've talked about it for years, like, you know, Rich Rebar. We've look, we don't need to rehash it all. Like we, we should all know this in fantasy. Now, if you have a quarterback that can run like he does, it's really difficult, um, you know, to not finish as a top 12 quarterback. And coming into this game, he was averaging 10 and a half rushing attempts per game over the last four. He had 15 today. You know, he had 23% of the design rushing attempts today, which is the thing we've really been waiting on over the last three games. He's been scrambling a lot already. Like his scramble rate was number one in the league. Now they have added on the design rushing attempts, and he's really getting those extra carries there. And, and the thing with the design running attempts, you know, it's all based on, you know, him reading the defense and picking his spots, you know, and he can have these really big gains. So I feel great about Justin Fields. I had him as a, a, a low-end QB1 with upside, but – once you get Claypool acclimated to the offense, like I think you can make an argument, right? That he really should be in that mid-range, you know, QB1 conversation. Like at this point, you're for sure starting him every week over, you know, Brady. Uh, I think the line is honestly like Tua. Like probably between those two, you're probably dealing with matchups. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, like what are we going to say? Like Kyler, I mean, is he's still running. He's doing fine too. But I mean, Fields is right there. You know, yeah. Fields is right there with him, and I would not blame anyone for starting Justin Fields over Kyler. Um, real quick, on the on the Bears, a couple of other quick things. I know you have some stuff, too. What about Cole Komet, Ian? Like, out of nowhere, like, Cole Komet suddenly something the last couple of weeks, now that the Bears are playing a little better, 22% target share out there for 74% of the routes. He did catch two touchdown passes today. Yes, two. Five catches, 41 yards, two, two receiving touchdowns. Ian, I'm sorry. I did I did remove him from a starting lineup in one of our teams. I don't know if it cost us a win or not. Uh, I will have to go check. I, this morning I was looking at it and just thinking of all the conversations you and I have ever had about Cole Komet. You know, we just didn't want him. And uh, anyway, my bad, Cole Komet. You made us you you made us eat our words. So good for you on Claypool. <laughs> only out there forty uh, percent of the routes today, but man, thirty eight percent targets per route run when he was out there. Not saying it will not continue to be that high. They were obviously designing some stuff for him when they had him on the field, but. The biggest thing for Claypool, like when you have Claypool plus Mooney and if Komet can just be okay, now Fields has three viable options. We also know Montgomery and Herbert can do a little bit in the passing game. Like things are really looking up for the Bears offense. Still an offense that hasn't had 30 pass attempts in a game. So we're going to still see some lows from Cole Komet. But that was the thing. We kind of got bailed out a little bit, Dwayne. I guess not anymore because he's starting to score touchdowns. But our Komet fade 
it was more under the idea that in this offense, you know, coming from Getze and the Packers, same sort of conclusion that we were reaching with Denver was that it was going to be more of a rotation. But I think some of their other guys that I was a little worried about taking some snaps away have been hurt. And Cole Komet honestly has had the routes and the snaps and the stuff we're looking at from that standpoint. But when the passing game couldn't break, you know, 125 yards the first month of the year, pretty much, we just didn't see enough meat on the bone to even make that worth it. So, hey, if we do see Claypool start adding some new dimensions, you know, and Fields just getting better and better and better, wild, what can happen when you have this young quarterback with all these tools and you start investing in some of the resources around him? Could be, you know, more great days for these pass catchers. Final point with Justin Fields, 9.4 fantasy points per game this year from purely rushing. That's more than Jalen Hurts. That's more than Lamar Jackson. Justin Fields, guys, being a pretty damn good version of Justin Fields right now all you can ask uh, appreciate some guys in the comments bringing up we do need to quickly touch on this new look yeah. Miami backfield Dwayne Jeff Wilson did lead the way 51% snaps to 45% for Raheem Mostert nine carries three targets for Wilson nine carries one target for Raheem Mostert yeah that's actually way worse than I thought it was going to be in week one I wouldn't expect Wilson to take this over but honestly man this is kind of what we saw out of San Francisco briefly in that uh 2020 in the 2020 campaign after the Super Bowl run in 2019 for the brief period where Wilson was healthy they were a lot more willing to use him in a committee with Raheem Mostert remember they paid Chase Edmonds, not $25 million or anything, but he came in the year as the starting running back in week one. They continue to use Raheem Mostert as the kick returner, which I've never understood. I don't think Mike McDaniel wants to give Raheem Mostert 20 plus touches per game. And I think we saw that come to fruition today with another running back that he can trust in Jeff Wilson. Yeah, I think it's going to be more of a split down the middle. This was the fear. Um, you know, I wrote about this this last week. I didn't know it would happen right away in week yeah. one. There was always a chance because Wilson's familiar with all the run game concepts they use in Miami, right? You know, some of the passing stuff they're doing is probably going to be different for him. Um, but he was out there 80% of the work inside the 10. You know, you already mentioned that he led the way in snaps. If you look at the rushing attempts, uh, 41% to 41%, they were dead even, but he out targeted, you know, Mostert. So, I think it's probably going to be a split, but there are going to be weeks where it really is Wilson, you know, and Mostert's been, he's done some nice things, but he just hasn't quite looked comfortable. Like to me, like the explosiveness and the things we used to see before, you know, he's just really seems to be, you know, not quite breaking those long runs like we would want. Um, so it's probably going to be really a rotation between the two guys. And we could Ian, even get the dreaded hot hand. I don't know if that's dreaded or not. At least if your guys in, he has a chance to be the hot one versus just, you know, um, you know, knowing that they're just going to split and, you know, like take everything away from each other. But this is an offense that's really built around the passing game. Um, so, I mean, having two guys rotating, the good news is it's an explosive offense. So there's, op there's opportunities to score the rushing touchdowns. Um, but if I had to put a chip down, like I feel like Wilson might be the better guy that they're going to want to get involved more down inside the five. It just seems to be a stronger uh, back. I know both guys have had their injury history, but let's face it. If we had to bet on one guy finishing the season, one guy not, Jeff Wilson would be the horse we're back in there. And hey, if he gets this full-time job, I mean, in San Francisco, when Mitchell got hurt, okay, we still had to deal with Debo. We still had to deal with guys like Kyle Juszczyk, and that made it tough for Wilson to be someone that we got too high in that RB2 pecking order. 
something happens to Raheem Mostert, I do think Wilson could arguably have a role that's even more fantasy friendly than what Mostert was having here over the past. I mean, the touchdown Wilson caught, he's low-key pretty damn good as a receiver, Dwayne. He had a play earlier in San Francisco this year, split out wide, caught a curl, and almost scored a touchdown on us. So Jeff Wilson, one of those low-key, I think most people, you know, found a way to go pick him up, you know, when the trade was going on. He was one of the big winners on everyone's trade deadline, you know, column or podcast or whatever have you. But Jeff Wilson, one injury away from being a real three down back potentially in fantasy land. Bengals took down the Panthers 42 to 21, covering as set seven point favorites over cash at 42 and a half. Did anyone do anything worth a damn in the passing game? Not really. It was the Joe Mixon show from start to finish. My goodness, 211 total yards, not one, not two, not three, not four. Five touchdowns, Dwayne. It was getting ridiculous out there. You add it all up together. 22nd best fantasy performance of all time. 12th highest mark specifically by a running back. The only running backs with 55 plus PPR points in a single game since 2000. Jamal Charles, Clinton Portis, Alvin Kamara, Sean Alexander, LaDainian Tomlinson, Priest Holmes, Chris Johnson, Doug Martin, and now Joe freaking Mixon. It was just a great game. I don't know what else to say, man. Joe Mixon took over, and we can talk about how Higgins, Boyd, Hurst, and even Burrow to an extent didn't put up the numbers because Mixon scored five touchdowns. How many times is this going to happen? Uh, just great to see from someone who had, count them, three touchdowns in the first eight games, five today. Hell, he had four in the first half alone. And something that we saw coming, Dwayne, to an extent, like this guy's receiving usage, the goal, everything's been there for Mixon to be the three-down workhorse back that has a chance to have these types of games. And my God, did he ever. Yeah, I mean, he was due. Like, you know, yeah. Mixon is the guy that when we looked at his utilization was, you know, really underscoring everything we would have expected, especially playing in a quality offense like the Bengals. But good for him. It all came through today. Um, I will say Mixon has been really bad this year. Like his underlying efficiency right. metrics, like his missed tackles force, his yards after contact, his explosive rush rate, all of those things have been bad. Um, and if you watched it, if you saw, I'm sure you saw a lot of it today, like these were just wide open runs, like nobody setting the edge, like Mixon just kind of running over there. And it's like, oh, nobody's going to tackle me Bye. like I'm just going to keep <laughs> running. Um, so it was a very, very and I don't want to take away from Mixon that like, came through in a big way. But man, this was a terrible performance by the Panthers um, defensive line, just the defensive front overall. Like it, it was it was just anything Mixon wanted was there for the taking uh, his best touchdown of the day was honestly the the touchdown in the end zone the reception like yeah. that that was a good play what a throw um, too back-to-back -back yeah. throws because he hit uh we had someone named trenton irwin actually almost yes. make a nasty and they were also disappointed catch. they wanted irwin to get that touchdown like the whole the coaching staff was so pissed just but to yeah see burrow make those back-to-back -back plays that dude is uh something special for sure yeah but there's nothing else we really need to hit here on on the Bengals. like look p higgins all these guys they're gonna be fine it's a condensed yeah. attack we know where the ball's going to your point like mixon had a day they, they didn't they didn't have to use these guys yeah, and uh, only other point I would make, Tyler Boyd, so close to having a five-yard touchdown. Dean Blandino was, like, talking about it, and I, it's nothing more frustrating than when they have, like, the special referee talking to the broadcasters, and they say something different than what the actual refs on the field end up coming up with, and that's what happened. Dean Blandino thought Tyler Boyd scored a short five-yard touchdown. I thought he scored. Guess what? The refs officiating the game did not think he scored, similar to, you know, when you get a bad judging decision, I guess, in combat sports. That's great. Oh, one actually – Pretty meaningful thing here, Dwayne. I'm, I'm not joking around. Sometimes I get you with that type of voice. But Chris Evans ruled out with a knee injury. Samaj P. Ryan, one injury. Because we didn't – if Joe Mixon got hurt, 
I do think Piran would be the guy we have to rank higher. We have seen that in the games that, you know, we've had this situation come up and Evans just hasn't, even though he flashed last week, again, he made an awesome catch uh, downfield. Like I'm not doubting the Chris Evans talent, but if you take him out of the picture as any sort of competition for Samaje Piran, I'm not saying we're crossing out Mixon's name and writing Samaje Piran if Mixon gets hurt, but Piran is one of the very, like he's like a Matt Breida type of handcuff where I'm actually more confident in Piran having a big role. But, you know, you look at all of the top 10, running backs in fantasy and we're very tuned into about 80 percent of their handcuffs samaj piran isn't one of those guys might not be a bad guy if you can afford it down the stretch run to stash on those benches do you agree joy yeah absolutely like he's really been that i even even with chris evans like we've just seen evans's role so limited like i just it's almost like they just don't trust him um but yeah to your point like there was still a chance that he would take maybe the two-minute offense right yeah. or something like that right now um, you know, Piran would probably be, he would probably, you know, be an every down back nearly, you know, I don't know. They'll work somebody else in because, you know, they're the Bengals. That's what they do. But yeah, Piran's uh, absolutely high priority handcuff right now. Horrendous performance from the Carolina Panthers. And unfortunately, our guy PJ Walker, only nine passing yards in the first half, two interceptions. And Baker Mayfield came in. And my goodness, man, I know it was the second half in a game where the Bengals started to have their backups come in. But really, Baker this year, he played well in this third and fourth quarter. And he played well in the, you know, pretty much just the fourth quarter in that week one revenge game against the Browns. That's all I got for the guy. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you guys, uh, you know, he's been great this year. He hasn't been, but he was today. And for that, we'll give him a little bit of love had a nice touchdown to terrence marshall and also our guy second line of the year Dwayne tommy tremble tommy tremble found <laughs> the end zone. hey tommy trembles hey tommy trembles over at the pork store all right baker mayfield <laughs> so again not doing too bad but now guys panthers league high six games are fewer than 300 passing yards it's just a good reminder that dj moore hey guess what it's still a condensed passing game dj moore is still a really good player he'll have some better games down the road but this is the floor for everyone involved and that also Dwayne, includes deontay foreman who we really saw be exposed as much more of a game script dependent back the three touchdowns are nice when you can score 34 points get into overtime and play in a back and forth game but in this one foreman 42 percent snaps raheem blackshear 35 percent spencer brown 27 percent and i think you can chalk some of that up to being so much of a blowout i mean it wasn't just like small comeback mode game script it was we're down 35 freaking nothing at halftime but Deontay Foreman not someone I was actively forcing in the lineups last week and I still think he'll have some decent enough games down the stretch as long as Chuba Hubbard remains sidelined but that doesn't seem like a given to be that much longer Deontay Foreman game script dependent RB2 that really flirted with his best overall outcome two weeks ago not something to get overly carried away with yeah, and it does actually look like his role changed. Uh, did not have any of the long down and distance work. That went to Blackshear and Spencer Brown. They split that. He also did not get any of the two-minute offense, which he had gotten over the two previous games. 100% of that went to Spencer Brown. So that is that the two-minute offense was really like for me when I saw that over the last two weeks, I was like, okay, that was unexpected. Like that's good because the big problem with the Panthers is we know that the we knew the offense as well as it did against Atlanta, you know, and they had made some improvements that they were still going to have some real stinkers. Like there was going to be a problem um, because of quarterback play, and so that I was looking at as being something that could insulate Deonta Foreman from just these really really bad games like we got today, four point one fantasy points, you know, in a PPR, and now that's gone. So that makes him highly volatile. Yes, he is kind of that low end RB two with some upside if he scores a touchdown but he could also be an almost absolute zero because he's not involved in the passing game. Now we'll see if this sticks, but 
you know, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's not good. And we know we're going to get Chuba Hubbard back, who we saw actually work ahead of Deontay Foreman in the game, you know, two weeks ago before the fourth quarter when we saw Hubbard get hurt. He, he hurt his ankle. Like, almost all of Foreman's work came in that fourth quarter. So it's pretty nasty. If you have a chance to still sell high on him, if you can sell on the last two games, like two out of his last three games, like he's been good. If you can move on from him, like, you know, I would still try. I would try to get out from under him. I don't think you're going to be very comfortable playing Deonta Foreman moving forward. Patriots 26, Colts 3. Worst game of the week. I don't think it was particularly close. And I only saw the red zone stuff. I am not like, look, Dwayne, I'm during the week and stuff. I try to get the work done stuff, you know, eight or nine o'clock. Maybe we'll crack open that bottle of wine, get some beer going. But before I watch this all 22 of the Colts Patriots tomorrow, I don't care if it's noon or one, man. That's going to be a real choice I'm going to have to make future Ian. But we'll worry about that tomorrow. I will just say both sides of the ball. The Colts had a hundred. 21 total yards in a professional football game. That's the lowest mark of the season. You got to go back to last year, that Bears 49ers disaster to find, I believe, the next lowest. Patriots, though, 203 total yards. That's tied for the fifth lowest total yardage mark Mm -hmm. of the season. Mac Jones, these last two weeks, you know, a win is a win is a win. They're getting bailed out, and this offense still cannot move the ball consistently unless they're giving it to Ramondre Stevenson. But, Dwayne, even in a game without Damon Harris out there, got to get J.J. Taylor 10 carries. And, okay, they won 23. I get it. And I guess that probably is the big differentiating factor in Stevenson not having the every-down roll. But lucky he got that, you know, short receiving touchdown after I believe, you know, it took a second for him to even get that because they had J.J. Taylor in getting the goal line carry after a freaking turnover. So that was surprising. Yeah, it was a block punt, a J.J. Taylor uh, carry inside the five, Ramondre receiving touchdown. And yeah, so you were happy to see it. Like I put that in a tweet. I was like, I put that series of events and then I just put drink. So look, <laughs> I, I get that. I'm sure a lot of Taylor's, you know, carries came in complete garbage time. It's not like he's going to overtake Stevenson, but it was that sequence. Yeah, that was, wait, why is JJ Taylor on the field right now? So yes, as Dwayne said, you know, when you see that happen, you of course have to drink, but look without, I mean, Taylor, without Damon Harris, it's still a situation where Stevenson, you'd barely need more yeah. than one hand. If that to count the number of running backs you're playing ahead of him so just another great game from Stevenson but at this point in the Patriots offense when they do have a bye next week to potentially get things right there's Ramondre and there's Jacoby Myers who didn't you know flirt with the highest end outcomes in this one he did lose a fumble but again I Jacoby and like a Monroe St. Brown God forbid these guys don't catch 10 passes in 100 yards every week I just feel like people go from being pretty content with them to thinking they're mid just you know overnight so any overall thoughts here on Stevenson and Jacoby and what was once again an incredibly lackluster game from Mac Jones and really the entire offense. No, I think you nailed it on Stevenson. Like, you know, you have him on your roster, you're playing him, period. You know, he's so involved in the receiving game, you know, I mean, and and that's whether Damian Harris is around or not. 74% route participation today, like that's just astronomical, absolutely elite. Uh, 25% target share. Like like the guy, that's what he gets every game. Like he's a, he's a 20 to 25% target share player right now over the last several weeks. So it doesn't matter. Like most, most weeks he's going to outscore Joe Mixon. Like, I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, he didn't today. Mixon had the huge game. But if you ask me who I'd rather have on my team the rest of the season, I'll take Ramondre Stevenson in a heartbeat heartbeat over Joe Mixon. So nothing to worry about with him. Um, yeah, the rest of this, there's really nothing here. I will say some of you I know have been, and I've, I've received several DMs and questions about this guy, but Tyquan Thornton, I know he's their rookie young guy, like looked like he was getting a little more playing time. It's just not working out. Like he's he's playing. He was out there sixty eight percent of the routes, but he fell behind Kendrick Bourne today. This was with Devontae Parker out. He was only out there sixty eight percent of the routes. Said 
Tyquan Thornton and only 11% target share, just not really demanding targets. So some of you, you've asked me about him. You have permission. You can just release him. There's no point, especially heading into the buy. I think there was also a little bit of hype with that 3.3K DraftKings price tag ended yeah. up being a trap. Hate to see when that happens. On the cold side of things, Sam Ellinger took nine freaking sacks out there. He did finally chip in some rushing yards with 39, but again, just an absolute atrocity over, over performance. Okay. I went into this recommending Deion Jackson to plenty because when he's a top 20 running back and you get a lot of questions about him, you're going to obviously recommend him a lot. You know, Dwayne, I had the over on points, a little over three. I think Vegas's implied point total set around 16, 17. And the total yards, I don't know, more than 121. Like, <laughs> it's one of those things where, guys, last year, Dearness Johnson played this very same Patriots defense with freaking Baker under center or it was even a backup at that point. And the Browns lost 45 to 7. Dearness Johnson did not score a touchdown. And guess what? He got like 30 touches and he ended up with a top 10 running back performance anyway. That was the play with Deion Jackson. And he did end up leading the backfield fairly convincingly. 63% snaps. He had 11 of the 15 backfield carries. He even had three of the eight targets. The problem was Jordan Wilkins ended up coming in, taking some of those pass game opportunities. Specifically, seemed to be a little stretch there, Dwayne, where I thought Deion Jackson like blew out everything in his knee. Yeah. It looked horrendous going out of bounds. And then I look up later and he's getting stuffed on a fourth and one so i wasn't sure like how much that influenced his later action apparently he was healthy enough to get back out there but man Dwayne, this is a situation where hand up i did not know the colts offense could be this horrifically bad because this is like 32nd team in the league with a tear gap between them and the 31st team in the league i mean is it just everyone in this offense including michael pittman's untouchable right now yeah i mean man i don't know like I think Pittman is a guy like I, I'm, I'm I've been thinking about him, like, what am I doing with him? Um, you know, and as far as rest of the season tomorrow in the utilization report. Um, but yeah, like I'm considering, like, do I move him to wide receiver four? like he's been moving down like for four straight weeks. Like he was already moving down with Matt Ryan because he now had target competition. Right. We had Paris Campbell getting involved. We had Alec Pierce getting involved. But at least then you had Matt Ryan and a pass heavy team. So it was kind of like, you know, wasn't moving him too far down. Well, since this move to Ellinger, you still have the target competition. Today, he had 11% target share. Uh, you had Paris Campbell with 22%, and you had Alec Pierce with 19%. Oh, sorry, my bad. I got that. Actually, I think I got that backwards. Yeah, sorry. Pittman had 22%, but it was Campbell with 19%. So, like, in a in an offense like this, like, you need, like, 70% target share, <laughs> you know, to, to be anything um, with Sam Ellinger. And who knows? Like, I don't know that the Colts can stick with this, man. Like, unless they're just wanting to tank. Unless, like, that's their whole goal. Isn't like, Matt Frank, Ryan, right he's allegedly hurt, or is that just made up? Like, come on. <laughs> I, Matt Ryan's way better than this. Like, this Even Matt, really, Ryan with really... the, Matt Ryan with a dislocated right shoulder. Matt Ryan throwing left-handed, I think, is better than what we're dealing with right now. Um, so, yeah, it is a downgrade. I have not decided how far down to push them, but, like, but it makes it tough to roster even in deep leagues like anyone like Pierce or Campbell because you're like, okay, great, like the talent's there, but what am I waiting on? Honestly, like if you're in a really deep league, you're probably going to leave them on your bench and you're just hoping Matt Ryan comes back, right? And that they – I don't I don't know how long they can stick with this with Ellinger. Even if they know, right, that Matt Ryan's not the future, like maybe another game or two because you still have fans. You still have fans that you want to pay to come to a game. Like I would not pay to go to the Colts game right now. Like there's no way. Only there is a certain former SEC ticket seller that knows the offense. Swag Kelly, where are you at, man? Go get that horseshoe back on your helmet. Hell, give me Nick Foles, who's actually like on the roster right now and could feasibly actually get that call up. Like, just Swag give Kelly, me. like, I would actually be awesome. Of course, would, be awesome. like, let's just give the guy this, his chance. Yes.
Yeah, so Michael Pittman, no, don't rage cut him yet. But to Dwayne's point, certainly not someone that needs to be started by any stretch of the imagination right now. And I would say, I mean, Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, no, I don't think they're people you need to absolutely make sure you keep on the bench down the stretch. Because even when Matt Ryan was out there, man, yeah, we didn't exactly have this in the range of outcomes, but it also wasn't pretty. I do appreciate Mojo uh, bringing up that, yeah, this offensive line, Benefit of the doubt has been out the window for them this entire season. This was the 30th ranked group in terms of PFF rushing grade team run blocking grade, I should say, going into this week. And every other year with Frank Reich, they have been a top 10 unit. So the days of Quentin Nelson and company just getting all the love have not been there this year and deservedly so. Zach Wilson experienced Dwayne. All he does is win most of the time. Jets 20, Bills 17. Zach Wilson putting the team on his back. I, I I love doing this bit to open it up. But no, he actually kind of did play solid football this time, Dwayne. It wasn't the Brees Hall show. How could it be the Brees Hall show? Unfortunately, he continues to be out of the picture. We did have Michael Carter score a touchdown ripoff 76 yards on the ground. But it was Zach Wilson only taking two sacks only losing one fumble and actually existing between getting the snap and getting the ball in Garrett Wilson's hands, who continues to look like, hey, a big reason why we had him as our overall wide receiver one entering the year there in Dynasty and Redraft land alike. So, look, I'm not going to sit here and say Garrett's definitively the number one wide receiver from this class. I think even Drake London in those first three weeks did enough to just really impress me. Chris Olave putting up better numbers on the season. You can say what you will about that. But just in general, man, on the season now, he's 21st among 78 qualified wide receivers in yards per out run. And with Zach Wilson under center, Elijah Moore is nowhere to be seen. It really is the Garrett Wilson show. 308 yards since week four with Zach under center. Tyler Conklin's in second with 175. I mean, Garrett has 34 targets in that stretch. Conklin has 27. Nobody else over 15. So it's erratic. We've seen the floor here. There is a buy next week. Garrett Wilson, Dwayne, is he someone that's similar to George Pickens? You think we've seen the talent. Now we're getting the volume. And maybe just maybe we're looking at a wide receiver two down the stretch. Potentially. I mean, I've had him ahead of Pickens for weeks. Um, you know, he's just a better player. Like I like Pickens, but, um, you know, they're similar as far as their quarterback situation goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Wilson's played great, man. I mean, 38% target share today, 3.29 yards per route run. Um, I mean, he's been, he's led the jets, you know, in target share and targets per route run since week one. Like, so he's been the leader of the team, even though he had that little period of games, you know, where he wasn't doing a lot. Um, and yeah, like this was another game where Zach Wilson, really, they just asked him to drive the bus, you know, keep it between the lanes, don't lose the game. And he did a nice job of that, but you know, that means there's only 154, 154 passing yards to go around. So you want more than that, but Wilson is clearly, you know, he's the guy dominating everything here. And as of last week, like he was, it's crazy. Like people had started dropping him, you know, two weeks ago. Um, I think his roster ship like shot back up this last week he's probably more like around 70 80 percent or so something like that but yeah garrett wilson looks really good the the, the wide receiver class looks good period ian like yeah. it was a class we were kind of worried about to be honest but drake london has shown enough like these are all good dynasty assets as far as rest of season this year for garrett wilson like i just say he's a high-end wide receiver three right look put him in the he's deontay johnson is the way i look at it you know we can't make him tough to make him a wide receiver too because you know we've just got the instability of what the overall offense looks like but we know the talent's there we know this is a player that can come through for us in a big way when the game script breaks right the quarterback plays well those sort of things honestly uh dj moore is in the same conversation yeah it's it's dj moore's just like it you know i talked about this like two weeks ago like i was like Everybody wanted to play DJ Moore. Nobody wanted to play Garrett Wilson. I'm like, it's kind of the same player. DJ Moore's definitely proven it longer, but it's a similar kind of scenario. You got a talented young player 
playing in an offense that we're not really crazy about. So you're going to have your ups and downs. Can you name the last week that Elijah Moore had a catch? Man, like week four, week five, week, week five. <laughs> so week five, sad. Yeah. 45% route participation participation today. At least he was third. He did. Wow. Out, he got, he had more routes than Jeff Smith today and more routes than Braxton Berrios. But remember we were also without Corey Davis. So there's, it's very well. I don't get the jets, man. I just don't freaking get them. If you're not going to play him and you're going to put him in the doghouse, why not just trade him? You did the same thing with Denzel Mims. Like, no, nah, we're going to keep him. And then you keep him inactive for five weeks of the season. Like you could have traded Denzel Mims this off season. Like who cares that you spend a second round pick? You're not playing his ass. You know, speaking of Mims, he was out there 83% of the routes today. They, they knew this was how it was going to work out, you know, Ian, and that Denzel Mims would be back out here. Uh, 17% target share, 2.2. Didn't come through, you know, only 2.2 fantasy points. But it's nice to see Mims actually getting a shot. You know, the the young kid, he's still a young guy. Like, what was he drafted three years ago out of Baylor, mm-hmm. second-round pick? It just hasn't worked out for him. And, hey, shout-out your 6-3, and three, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. That's freaking awesome. Just, again, that's an organization that has had very, very little success, better part of the last decade. And, Nick, hey, go ahead and go get, uh, have this start. Good stuff. God forbid Zach Wilson hey, really starts to put it together. A man can't dream. What's up? Hey, real quick, Ian, just on the backs, because I know people are going to ask, because it's James Robinson's second week. He did lead the team in rushing attempts, but barely, 42%. Michael Carter had 39%. Um, you know, the snaps Carter was slightly ahead, 52% to 40% route participation. This is where you would expect Carter to really distance. And he didn't only 41% versus 34% for James Robinson. Robinson had 80% of the work inside the 10, only 20% to Michael Carter. And then we had the short down and distance, which kind of matches up with that 50% versus only 40% for Carter. So really more of a split. And then of course, Ty Johnson, you got to get him out there on long down and distance just enough to like make Michael Carter just because it'd be fine. Like if they were splitting the carries and Carter got most of the passing down work, even if James Robinson took over the lead, you'd you'd be okay with that. But now we're in this scenario where it's like, no, we're going to get all three guys involved and Ty Johnson. He's not going to do anything for you, but he's just enough to make it troublesome for Michael Carter. They both did fine for you today. Carter gave you 15.6 PPR points. James Robinson gave you 13.3 but it's going to be tough to know like which back you're going to be able to start each week moving forward. I'm looking at them both as RB3s. And it was disappointing to see Carter not have a bigger role considering Robinson was a he got added with yeah. a questionable knee injury on Saturday. So I was kind of surprised he was even out. He was a game playing. time decision. Right. So yeah. the fact he uh, not only played, but, you know, did well enough for himself. He had the, uh, what was it, 10, eight yard touchdown catch, I believe, or seven yard touchdown catch. That's right. Looked decent enough out there. But yeah, they do have a bye next week. I would expect this to be. Unfortunately, to Dwayne's point, more, more like 45-45, not 50-50, because got to get Ty Johnson. Yeah, I get Ty Johnson, Jeff Smith, you know, the, the, the clubhouse guys out there, Dwayne. So <laughs> got to keep morale good. On the other side of the ball, uh, it's just another one of those games where Josh Allen, yeah, terrible decisions. I mean, two picks, five sacks. And Kevin Cole and I talked about this on our Wednesday AFC previews. And if you look at the turnover-worthy play stats, the interceptions, the drop interceptions, a lot of things that, you know, we will bring up for guys like Tua and we maybe don't bring up as often for guys like Josh Allen. I do think the main takeaway isn't that Josh Allen is a bad quarterback. It's that that these are a part of the Josh Allen experience and the Josh Allen, just what he does a quarterback. And guess what? There is far more freaking good that outweighs the occasional dud like this one, but that's in real life, Dwayne and fantasy. Josh Allen has this game and he still runs for almost 90 yards and he scores two touchdowns and he's probably going to have another top five finish under his belt. So it just takes me back to, 
we had just started our team preview series, you know, Buffalo. I think we went off, we went like by division or something. Buffalo was one of the first teams and we were just trying to figure out like, how could Josh Allen like actually bust? And this would be the game where he allegedly busts. And it's just impossible, man. Josh Allen was put on this planet to be the fantasy football QB one. He's going to do it for his third straight year. And it's just wild where remember in a, against Miami, they scored 17 points. I believe in that one, he threw for over 400 yards. Like Josh Allen's floor is he a finds freaking a way, moon. no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. He's got so many outs. It's ridiculous. Like he, <laughs> yeah, it just like today, the 86 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, you know, he had some long runs in there. I mean, he, just out there, just bang. He's like Larry Zonka, like just busting through people. Yeah. I'm like, man, just don't get hurt. Like, just don't <laughs> get hurt is my big thing with Josh Allen. But he's a big dude. So, yeah, he looks great. The way um, he bounced up after that touchdown, I was like, bro, is your neck oh, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same exact thing. I saw the play. Exactly. He did say, by the way, because at the end, he was holding his hand, his right elbow. Uh, he yeah. said he has a quote unquote slight pain in his right elbow. But that I was after a throw, him. too. That was yeah. after a pass that he it, was doing that. And then he proceeded, Dwayne, like he skipped and then was like, oh, can Josh make this throw? And then he proceeds to launch one about 70 yards that hit Gabriel Davis right between the freaking numbers on the next play. And a little bit of a push off there. And similar thing to, you know, Stefan Diggs later. It's like, I don't even know if like other, anyone other than like Mahomes could even go out there and put that ball even close to where Josh Allen put it. So I'm not going to really say like, oh man, if he had thrown it an extra three yards, yeah. like it would have been a great pass to Stephon Diggs. Like I, it's just, again, one of those things where the fact that Josh even got close on those is just a testament to all the uh, absolutely insane arm talent he had. So just keep that in mind when we see the 93 scoreless yards from Diggs, 33 scoreless yards from Gabe Davis, per usual, just a situation where they were awfully close. And I don't think we're going to get too many more performances performances Dwayne which is 205 passing yards and zero scores through the air out of this offense yeah absolutely um a couple of other quick notes um the backfield we had Naheem Hines active today but he barely played and they even mentioned it beforehand that he hadn't really had time to pick up the playbook so we'll see what happens with that in the future it was really more what we had seen in the past few weeks which was Devin Singletary really taking everything you know he had he did it again today 74 percent of the snaps 70 percent route participation 42% of the rushing attempts because Josh Allen took 32% of the rushing attempts today. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think the role is probably going to change those some as we go. Um, it was funny. James Cook was out there on the first drive and I was like, oh my God, like, are they, they signed Naheem Hines and all of a sudden they're going to make James Cook the starter. No, it was just a psych moment, you know, where they were trying <laughs> to mess with us fantasy managers. Cause I dropped, I dropped James Cook. Folks, if you're listening, if you've listened to me for a while, you knew how much I love James Cook yeah. in the preseason. And I dropped him probably four or five times. Not everywhere, but, you know, had to make some moves. It was by Mageddon. You know, you got you to make some tough cuts. James Cook, you know, he was out the door when I saw him out there on that first drive. I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me. And so thank you, Devin Singletary, for not giving away the starting job because it would have been a Girl Scout moment here at the McFarland household <laughs> if that would have happened. Um, hey, I did want to mention Isaiah McKenzie. He's a guy that was really splitting all the slot work before. Um, you know, we had seen it kind of be more like a 55% route participation. That jumped up to 70% today, only 19% to Khalil Shakir. Ooh. And I haven't had a chance to dig into it. That could have been just 10 personnel, right? Um, whenever you had them out there together. So if McKenzie continues on this, he only had 4.1 fantasy points today. So we'll see. But if he does this again next week and we find that he really is now the full-time slot receiver again, which was always kind of like that was where his ceiling range of outcomes would come from. He's a guy that we know that like can get involved. He can make big plays. He's like, heck, he's, he's kind of lived just on scoring touchdowns and being lucky so far this year. But now we could see some utilization follow. And I mean, let's face it, like 
there's no one else on the team just garnering a lot of targets. So any given week, it could be McKenzie being the guy, you know, again, I'm not saying he's going to come out and be a target hog, but he's in the Buffalo offense again today, drop back 69% of their plays. They're a pass heavy team. Everybody knows this. So just a name to remember with Isaiah McKenzie saw him getting released quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. There could be something there. He gives them that, you know, him and Miko Harbin used in very similar ways. And you can yeah. talk about their limitations, but guess what? They also do a lot of really good things, especially with those design touches that we've seen McKenzie make a living on over the years. So, hey, keep extended timeline, Dwayne, just like we did with a certain somebody over in Jacksonville coming off a great 27-20 to 20 win over the Raiders, covering us two-and-a-half-point dogs under 48, just barely hit because – Travis Etienne season continues his last five games, 114 yards, 108 yards, 119 yards and a touchdown, 162 yards and a touchdown. And this week, 126 yards and two scores broke 11 tackles out there for good measure. So I was going through my ranks, uh, Dwayne, last Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening. That's usually when I get the first real run through there. And when I got to running back, I was like, ETN, RB5? And I was like, hold on, hold on, Ian. I got I got a lot of ETN exposure. I've obviously, you know, been very <laughs> – just being a homer. I've no, been hoping for this, and I took a step back, and I looked back, and I said, we're looking at a top five RB here, Dwayne. And once again, 81% snaps. The fact he's doing this over the past, really, even since James Robinson has left, they still haven't even been able to tap into what he can do as a receiver. Yeah. I want to say he has like fewer than 30 total receiving yards during this stretch, and it just hasn't mattered. Travis Etienne, top five running back, probably the rest of the way. And if not, he's top eight. You're starting the man every single week, yeah. and it's a great day to have him in fantasy. Absolutely. 28 rushing attempts this weekend, uh, 109 yards. You already mentioned the two touchdowns, uh, but he's, he's an every down back. I don't, I don't need to list off all the things <laughs> like every down back means all the things that I would normally listen to list to you for utilization. Like he's out there, he's out there for all of it. So yeah, it's a great day to be great. As you might say, Ian, if you are Travis ETN, the only other uh, Jaguar we can talk about, because I feel like, you know, Ian brings him up every week. Dwayne, are we downgrading Christian Kirk? <laughs> like, and this week he showed us why. You know, I mean, he'd still been the guy that had been really leading, you know, this Jaguars passing attack. Came through with a 29% target share. Ends up with eight targets, eight receptions, 76 yards, one touchdown. I will say the big thing with Christian Kirk, we haven't seen like the huge yardage explosion for him, Ian. He really is operating more like a traditional slot receiver, but he's managing to come through. He's Jacoby Myers, but... And, and I know Jacoby actually has been scoring touchdowns too this this year, so I'm not. This is not a slight on Jacoby Myers, but he's really been more of a Jacoby Myers scoring touchdowns, right? Yeah. Versus like what we thought we might be getting early in the season, which is wow, this big play Christian Kirk. So it's early on there was this chance, man. man like, does this guy have wide receiver one upside? And I think we've kind of seen the ceiling. He's really more of a wide receiver two, but I think he's very firmly in that conversation at this point. Another uh, 20 plus point fantasy outing for Christian Kirk, which is nice. And his targets have just kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit. Like we had the first couple of games of the year and he had a wide receiver one target share and he was making good use of it. So that's, I think it was reasonable enough to think that it did dip down, but Hey, credit where credit is due. Doug Peterson came out a couple of weeks ago and said, we view Christian Kirk as someone that should be getting much more involved. And I think the first game after that, he kind of got us and like it was another five or six targets, but over the past three weeks, 10, seven and nine targets for Christian Kirk managed to find the end zone on one of those today. So unfortunately, you know, I don't think there's enough consistency in this passing game for guys like Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, and Evan Ingram, especially if this back injury he suffered is going to be anything to worry about, although he did return to action. Hey, Trevor Lawrence, I didn't get a chance to watch this one all the way through, but for him to go out there, 
not take a sack, only lose the fumble. And hey, I mean, 25 for 31. That's fine, man. We'll take that. If that's going to be, you know, a middling game for him, fantastic. Because we know what he can do. 53 rushing yards today. Exactly. Yeah. Always got that rushing upside as well. So Trevor Lawrence, you know, someone that we really, we just hadn't seen a good passing game since week three, I would say, went out there, got the W. And finally, we could all talk about Doug Peterson having more wins than the late great Urban Meyer did in his entire Jacksonville Jaguars tenure over with the Las Vegas Raiders. Guys, 17-0 lead in this one for the Raiders. They also led the Chiefs 17-0, and they led the Cardinals 20-0, ended up taking the L in all three of those games. So I pulled Derek Carr's numbers on the season, expecting them to be a little worse than they actually were. He's been average, but average is better than I thought than what he's been in terms of PFF passing grade, 23rd out of 38 quarterbacks, 17th in passer rating, tied for 19th in yards per attempt, 25th in adjusted completion rate. And as much as I do want to say, like, Man, how can you not have better numbers in this offense and stuff? I don't know. Adams is doing his thing. He's putting up big numbers, you know, one or two duds aside. Hunter Renfro has been in and out of the lineup a little bit. He missed those weeks with a concussion. And Darren Waller seemingly, I don't know when he's going to be back with that hamstring injury he's dealing with. So, unfortunately, man, like, I don't have a good answer for fixing it other than the fact that, yeah, this Raiders passing game, there's Devontae Adams. And, unfortunately, that's the only guy we can trust. Yeah, that's man. The Hunter Renfro thing is just wild. Like a guy that we've just seen earn targets, you know, over time and just not able to do anything despite Darren Waller being out. Like, I don't know if he's still hurt or what the deal is, but yeah. And and Matt Collins, you know, a guy he'll pop up, you know, and give you 10, 15, you know, fantasy points, you know, like every third week, you know, if he catches a touchdown, but not really earning targets. And and today it really was Devontae Adams, a 47% target share, uh, had 53% of the air yards. Um, and then real quick on the backfield, Josh Jacobs, again, for the second week in a row, we just never know what these coaches are going to do, Ian. Like we had seen Josh Jacobs early in the season, really in more of a Damian Pierce, uh, you know, Kenneth Walker, Derek Henry kind of role. Like we're going to get you all your touches through the, through the ground. And he had that again today, 95% of the team's rushing attempts, 95% went to Josh Jacobs. So he's still getting his touches. He had 17 carries today for 67 yards. He still ended up with three targets for 20 for 20 yards, but he's not getting any of the passing down work for the last two games. He had 0% of the long down distance. That went to Amir Abdullah. He did not get any of the two-minute offense. That went to Brandon Bolden because you have to. You have to get those two guys involved because they are, you know, they are going to change the game for you. I, I get it. If you're going to give him that many carries, I think the other thought process that coaches go through, I know we hate it as fantasy managers. But they're also just figuring out, like, I can't give the guy 35 touches a game, right? He's going to break down. So a lot of times, especially on long down and distance stuff, mostly that's pass blocking, to be honest. You know, so you're just taking those hits off. Like, you're having to pick up blitzing linebackers. I don't know that Amir Abdullah is exactly who I would want, like, out there for that particular role. But, you know, whatever. You know, whatever floats your boat, Josh McDaniels. But it is, it, it does suck for, for Jacobs because he had really moved into it for about a three-week period of that true every down role. And now that's gone, which makes him more dependent on the game script, right? He needs to be playing from ahead or in a close game. The Raiders had to drop back to pass on 68% of their plays today. Um, And, you know, they did have the lead. So there was a chance early for Jacobs, but that's really when Adams was going off and he was scoring, you know, his touchdowns, but this is problematic for Jacobs. So he's going to get a downgrade in the utilization, you know, this week he had moved his way up into the high end RB one range. I think he's more of a low end RB one at this, at this point, he's still an RB one because like for the problems the Raiders have had, like 
from a scoring perspective, like on like converting their drives to scores, like they're still one of the top three teams in the league. So he's going to get his chances and he's getting enough of the rushing attempts in a quality offense. Like it's going to be okay, but it's just not going to have that ceiling that we were seeing earlier unless he's able to take that other rollback. He really warranted top five treatment there for a couple of weeks. And yeah. okay, he's not going to have that. Guess what? He's still going to be starting in your fantasy lineups each and every week. And I do want to give him a little bit of credit for that performance. I know it didn't look like much in the box score, but 67 rushing yards, 66 of those came after contact. Yeah. He racked up 13, 13, Dwayne, missed tackles force on 17 carries out there. Like that is a bonkers number. I think it just reflects that Jacobs this year with the ball in his hand has looked like one of the better running backs out there bar none. The usage, although has not been catching up. I mean, he had three straight weeks when he was really grooving with five catches in every week yeah, over the last crazy over the last three weeks, just eight total catches combined. So I will say Amir Abdullah was open for a wheel from 20 yards out. That's why you gotta get him on the field, Dwayne. Nobody can run <laughs> wheel routes like Amir Abdullah. He is uh, a good route. He's a great, he's a good player in the yeah, passing game. As much absolutely. As we're, we're, we're mostly just joking around. Carr did badly under throw it though. You could imagine if he didn't. And then also I would note Travis Etienne almost had a third uh, touchdown. He got stuffed at the one yard line on a separate drive. So actually could have been three. He got real. I I am so happy how much the Jaguars love Etienne Dwayne because he's had a lot of kind of near fumble issues on yes. one of his touchdowns. Max, committed. Max Crosby was convinced he got the ball out. I was kind of convinced he got the ball out, honestly, but the refs didn't care and the yeah, Jaguars don't care. So we will take it guys. We have a couple more games to get to before we do though. I want to give a shout out to some of our lovely sponsors. The PFF fantasy football podcast is sponsored by Western Southern financial group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day, team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Even though Best Ball Mania has ended, Underdog Fantasy is still the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season with their Pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats. Pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that number in this week's game, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. All you got to do is pick between two and five players for your Pick'em entry, get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. They are, I'm working behind the scenes with Underdog, trying to get them into Ohio sooner rather than later because I continue to live in this, I'm going to say wonderful state. I know it's not everyone's opinion, but the one thing I love about this pick'em game and why I can't wait to play sooner rather than later is the fact that one of the things you can parlay are fantasy points. And as someone that is always has my you know head looking at the fantasy points, and I'm sure plenty of you, if you're listening to this podcast do as well, I do think there can be a nice edge sometimes and just a more reasonable way of watching the game and you know trying to pull for your parlay when you can't add that fantasy parts piece of it. So it's simple to get started. Just head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app sign up with promo code pff and underdog will double your first deposit up to 100 again that's underdog fantasy promo code pff get in on the action today and as always we have our official sleeper segment of the episode talking all things specifically for the monday night football streamer course so if you guys did not see mark andrews did get downgraded to out today he was already doubtful i really hope you guys weren't going into monday night expecting mark andrews to be out there but with that said isaiah likely does go right into that mid-tier tight end one honestly if you want to say he's a top five top six tight end i do not think you're crazy at all so isaiah likely god forbid he's still out there and you need a tight end a little reckless by you but 
but you're lucky because Isaiah likely is your guy. And if he's taken Dewan Johnson or Taysom Hill, honestly, with Mark Ingram out of the picture, Taysom could be ready to put up some big numbers as well. And finally, we do know Devin Duvernay stepping in as the wide receiver one with Rashad Bateman out, but James Prochet and Demarcus Robinson, those next two guys up there for you, you know, showdown DFSers of the world. So love our friends over there at Sleeper. Again, my favorite place to play redraft. This all the customizable league tools, everything you could want and more. Appreciate our friends over there. And with that, let's get into the Seahawks taking down the Cardinals, Dwayne, 31 to 21, covering as two and a half point dogs over cash at 49 and a half. And it's just a fun offense, man. Gino goes out there. He's doing Geno Smith things, which for the first time in a long time actually is a really positive thing to say. Multiple touchdowns through the air once again. Yeah, he had to pick six out there, but whatever, man. Just part of the experience from time to time when you're leading a top five scoring offense, we tend to care about those things a little bit less. But Kenneth Walker, keeping on, keeping on. Six of his seven touchdowns in the fourth quarter of the season. He's now had four starts without Rashad Penny in his rushing lines. 21 carries, 97 yards and a touchdown. 23 carries, 167 yards and a two touchdown. Last week, 18 carries, 51 yards, and a touchdown. Maybe they're figuring them out. No, they aren't, Dwayne. 26 carries, 109 yards, two touchdowns. You said before, the role he has is similar to Damian Pierce, is similar to Josh Jacobs. So, no, I don't think we're going to have Kenneth Walker as the RB3, RB4 next week. But, man, if you wanted to, go ahead, because we're starting them regardless. Yeah, and and – and he's one of these interesting guys, like, because they still find a way to get him the touches, right? Which is something I'm always paying attention to, even though sometimes the percentage is like he might not be playing the two minute offense or things like that. With some of these coaches, um, I do think they're specifically trying to get certain players to a number of touches, right? And if that make, and sometimes I can make the percentages look really good. Sometimes it may make percentages look off, like in one category versus another. But they're like, when you look at a guy like Kenneth Walker today at the 26 carries, he still had four targets. I get 30 chances today, 30, <laughs> like for a guy that's as good as he is. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Kenneth Walker is an RB one all the way the rest of the season. Love having him, you know, 27.9 fantasy points today. Ooh. Yeah. So Travis Homer did get the two minute offense, did get the long down and take distance. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause he's still getting the touches. Um, you know, today was a game where, you know, they, they led, you know, early on, like the Cardinals, you know, scored, you know, we saw Kyler actually score a, a touchdown. God, they the look so quarter. good for about six minutes. I know, <laughs> and it was gone. We'll talk about them in a minute. Like, this is Kenneth Walker right now. But, um, yeah, he's anyway, he's going to get his touches. He looks great. You know, like I said, Homer took the passing downs, but it didn't end up being a big deal. Other notes is just that Tyra Lockett and DK Metcalf keep on keeping on. Both scored again, second straight week that has happened. And you look at the paces now, Tyra Lockett, 96 catches, 1,131 yards, eight touchdowns. Metcalf just a little bit off in some of those injuries he's had and, uh, you know, not playing the full game's worth of snaps. Still, though, 79 catches, 961 yards, and eight touchdowns. Just two dudes that, again, are going to consistently be tough to keep out of the top 15 options at the position. You should be you should be feeling great about yourself if you did take some of these discounts that we had really all around the entire offense. I mean, hell, no Fant went out there, Dwayne. 96 yeah. yards this one, had a 51-yard catch and run. Now, with Fant, was there anything about that yeah. usage? I mean, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, it's an improvement. It's still not where we would want it to be, but he was out there for 63% of the routes, um, so 37% to Will Disley usually see those two pretty much split. And so for the last two weeks, we've kind of seen Fant take a little bit of a lead, 
So we'll see. You know, sometimes we see these sort of things and you know how it goes in. And then like the next show we'll do like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of like what we did with Robert Tunyon earlier today. Like we had seen two weeks of a great trend and then, you know, it was just gone. But I mean, we have to go off of what we have right now. So right now I would assume that Noah Fant does have a slightly larger role. He is a guy that, you know, we've we've looked at the talent profile in the past. It was not bad. In an offense in an offensive environment that all of a sudden is much better, he's kind of interesting, right? Because people have just kind of dumped Fant. And you could argue that this might be the best scenario Fant's really ever had in his career because Geno Smith's playing good. The offense looks good. He's never going to overtake DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but still, like, he's in a functional offense. So, like, there's a path. And if something happened to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, if Noah Fant remained kind of the lead tight end, like he's probably going to give you tight end one production. Now, again, this is a small sample and he still hadn't hit like the 80% route participation we love, but I mean, it's trending, it's trending in the right direction. So you can do worse. Like he's a mid range tight end too, you know, that can give you that tight end one game whenever he scores a touchdown, like he did. Uh, well, actually he didn't even score a touchdown today. It was just five catches for 96 yards, gave you 14.6 points in a PPR. So at least a trend that, you know, we'll continue to watch. All right. Now for the Cardinals. First drive of the game, they go nine plays, 83 yards, right down the field. Kyler's running, Hopkins scores, Rondale Moore, a couple catches. These guys look freaking great. Minus six yards in the next drive. Nine yards, six yards. Okay, they get moving before the half. No wait. Kyler Murray breaks off a 20-yard run and fumbles as he's going down. No worries. Second half team, we've seen this all year long. First half sucks. Second half Cardinals are coming out. Six yards, negative 12 yards. Four yards. They got a pick six in there. Great. And then finally, Dwayne, they get another touchdown, and then they had minus five yards to end the game. Two drives the entire game. The Cardinals offense looked even passable. Three drives, fine. They fumble the ball away on the one. But, man, that's that's why I call them the most frustrating offense in football. It's I can live with. I don't, I don't like seeing bad offenses. I don't like seeing shitty offenses. I wish they were all great. But for the Cardinals to look that freaking good in their first drive and then fall apart, I mean, at this point, Dwayne, we're not throwing the Greg Dortz 20 times a game. We have DeAndre Hopkins looking like he's 27 after taking, you know, the best PEDs that money can buy. We got Rondale Moore going out there fully healthy, getting the slot roll, getting peppered, and mostly making good things out of it. It's just not quite working, man. And we can blame it on Cliff Kingsbury if we want to. That's fine. But it doesn't change the fact that this Cardinals offense, here we are entering week 10, still haven't even seen them come close to hitting the ceiling. Yeah, and who knows if we'll see it, but they, they've they got the players to do it. Like, I, I don't know what they're going to need to do to unlock, you know, everything that can happen for this offense. But what I will say is there's really not very many good offenses in the league, period. Most of them are average. We have a few offenses right now that are playing really well. Otherwise, everybody's in the middle and we have a bunch of crap, <laughs> right? So, um, like, for me, the Cardinals are one of those teams that are sitting in the middle and like when you start grading all the teams that sit in the middle, like when I look at their roster, at least, because that's the first thing you need. Like, yes, you need the scheme, you need the coaching, but still like having the talented players around you, like that's the first thing we want to look for. As much as we love Mike McDaniel, the big thing is you have Tyreek Hill and you have Jalen Waddle. You know, now putting that together with Mike McDaniel, that's what makes Tua awesome. It all works out. With the Cardinals, at least the talent is there. Maybe the coaching, maybe they can schematically figure out some things they can do better. Because if you don't have the talent, there's it's it's tough. Like you can coach your ass off, and you're still going to be like what the Packers are. Like the Packers don't have a lot of outs. Like the Cardinals, at least there's a chance they could get it straight. So I, I, they're they're an offense that I still want to remain 
fairly aggressive on, right? You know, we can't just be like all in on them because like the facts are the facts. Right. But the good news is there's not like a lot of other offenses that we're just grading way above them. You know, it's just, it's just so many meh offenses this year in the league. That's kind of helping them. I will say with Rondell Moore, man, like the guy just continues. Like he continues 30% target share today. Um, we had already talked about it over the last couple of weeks. He's really solidified himself as the wide receiver too. And I will say Robbie Anderson went out and solidified himself this week, Ian, as the wide receiver three. Yeah, he is. He did have a terrible drop, Um, but he's out there. 87% route participation. He was stuck in a three-way rotation with Greg Torch and AJ Green. I can barely recover. Garbage. (laughs) But he was he was on the field. Look, he's a guy at least we know, Ian, like we've seen him be a good player in the past, so got to give him a little bit of pass I'm, I'm not saying he's a guy that you're rushing to the waiver wire to drop all your fab on or anything like it that. it wasn't but, even the drop Dwayne it wasn't the drop he had a false a start on the other yeah. side of the field when Kyler threw a touchdown to DeAndre Hopkins I know he is garbage then I, I missed that play <laughs> I was tilting I have so much Kyler and Hopkins and I had I was yeah. I, I couldn't wait for my shitty illegal stream to actually be in real time. So I had ESPN Gamecast on one of my screens and all I saw was Cardinals false start and then a touchdown to Zach Ertz. And I said, Okay, whatever. We got a touchdown, not a big deal. There was a false start. How'd that happen? Oh yeah, they actually threw a touchdown to Hopkins on the false start when Robbie was like he was off balance or something, man. This dude has negative four yards since he joined the Arizona Cardinals. So I I tried to defend Robbie for a little bit, but for now I am going to just go with garbage. The only other sheesh I did have was Greg Dorch getting just short of the goal line on a rush attempt, which I think we're all pretty happy that that didn't come to fruition. But Dwayne, I guess we can't fully blame it on Robbie. They had five false start penalties. This was home. This was in Arizona. I don't. Yeah. It's <sighs> yeah. It's the frustrating. Right. Go ahead. Sorry, Ian. I would say the one good thing, like, and I feel because we've seen Rondale go up and down a little bit, but I did find a pretty straight up trend with it where I'm feeling good about it, man. When he is their full-time slot, everything is fine. In week four and in week seven, that was when AJ Green was out and before Robbie was there. So honestly, I should be taking back my Robbie slander and just hoping he stays out there because Rondale now in week five, week six, week eight, and week nine full-time slot receiver. Those are the games where he had seven, six, seven, and eight catches on eight, 10, eight, and 10 targets. Clearly the two weeks where he wasn't out there, he's getting used out wide. So the low a dot and stuff like that's a good thing for Rondale, man. We're looking at pretty much the same exact role that Curtis Samuel has been using to a lot of success. And we're not getting the same rush attempts, different players, but the more we see this ingrained in the slot, man, I don't think Marquise Brown's going to be back in the next week or two by any stretch of the imagination. Who knows when he's going to be back. Rondale, I think I had by week induced, but he was like a wide receiver 26 for me in full PPR. He's going to definitely stay in that top 30 conversation. Yeah. And the Cardinals, I mean, they're forced to run 11 and 10 personnel pretty, you know, more, more than almost any other team in the league because they trail all the damn time. Like, I don't know what the new numbers are after today, but coming into the, to the weekend, they had trailed by four more points on 75% of their plays <laughs> on the season. Like, so yeah, I mean, and when you're in that kind of scenario, you're going to have multiple receivers on the field. To your point, he's locked down. Right now, he's the number two, and they move him around, and he does mostly get to operate from the slot. But even once Marquise Brown is back, like, the way these games have worked out, like, he's going to be out there plenty. And, like, you know, with Rondell, the other thing that I'm liking is, like, we're actually starting to see him, you know, really turn into more of that run-after-the-catch player that we thought we were getting, you know, whenever we watched him, you know, in college. So Rondell's looking really good. Um, I think 
the other part with Marquise Brown is like, man, there's a range on him. Like some, you know, the, the range he could be back is like from week 12, but the long end of it is like week 16. Or like, the so, three and six Cardinals suck. And they're like, Hey, yeah, you know like, what? Why Keep even mess with it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I lean towards like just staying aggressive, right. With Rondell Moore, you know, and continuing, obviously, as long as Marquise Brown is out, like he's going to be in our wide receiver three conversation. He probably moves into the wide receiver four, like once Marquise Brown is back, but to your point, like we just don't know when that's going to be. So right now, I'm just operating as a you know, look, it's just Rondell Moore until it isn't. Buccaneers took down the Rams. 16. Hey, real quick, James yeah. Conner was back. Oh, so yeah. James Conner today had 71 percent of the snaps. Eno Benjamin went back to the reserve role, 27 percent. Uh, Connor also took the passing down work, 67 percent route participation. Uh, Eno did take the two minute offense, but long down and distance stuff all went to James Connor. So there's a little bit of a split there. Once they got inside the 10 yard line, James Connor handled 100 percent of that. And he also handled 100 percent of the short down and distance. So it does really it didn't do a lot. Nine point nine fantasy points with it. But it does look like James Connor is back to a near every down role in his first week back, you know, with the rib injury. Looking like a low end RB two as long as that usage keeps up. That's fun. This was honestly like it could be a damn functional offense. Like it could be a low end RB one. But yeah, it's a low end RB two right now. I I think I talked about like Mixon and Piron. How I wouldn't cross out Mixon's name and put Piron in there. I basically crossed out you know Benjamin and put James Conner in there this week. They have the exact same role. Neither guy is going to be a ninety percent job, but we get seventy percent round fifteen combined carries and targets. Beggars can't be choosers. Two more games, everybody. Buccaneers took down the Rams 16-13, to 13, pushing us three-point favorites, the undercast. Easily, of course, it did at 42-and-a-half. So there you go, Tom Brady, 100,000 passing yards, got the comeback win when it mattered, but this offense remains fairly broken. I'm not going to put it all on Tom Brady. I mean, they were keeping uh, track of the drops on the broadcast. I think it was at like six to eight yeah, by the end of the game. I didn't see where a PFF officially had them at, but yes, a lot of missed opportunities out there on the field. I mean, Scotty Miller had a seven yard touchdown pass, hit him in the freaking face and fall to the ground. Even the next play, it looked like Kate Otten had a chance to maybe get the score, but Jalen Ramsey made it, made a nice play. Uh, also had Mike Evans run right past the cornerback, had an underthrow. That wasn't Brady's best moment, but man, just one missed opportunity after another, they would make a play and then it's coming back on a penalty and it's just kind of been like that the whole year for this offense but at the end of the day just 4.8 yards per attempt for tb12 and these guys so goblin had 10 targets evans had 11 targets i mean Dwayne, the stat i found like goblin came back full time from the hamstring and the knee in week four since week four only tyree kill has more targets than this dude and, okay some bi-week stuff going on but guess who's behind him mike evans tied for third this is as condensed as we ever could have dreamed for julio got hurt again not we don't want anyone to get hurt, but Julio got hurt again. Russell Gage is still dealing with the hamstring injury. Kate Otten kind of sort of starting to step up. He had a nice game out there. When is this going to happen with Evans and Goblin, man? Because it's getting to the point where it's like, you know, I'm trying to give, I usually am giving them the slight benefit of the doubt over guys like Lockett and Metcalf. And man, it's not going well. No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can give them the benefit of the doubt anymore over Lockett and Metcalf. Like we've seen it too long. Like I'm, I've moved, I've moved both those guys ahead of these two, but like to your point with Godwin, man, like I, 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 I talked about Godwin. I wrote a lot about him this week. You know, it was a really good matchup for him. He does really well against zone, like over the last three years. I mean, and to your point, just all the targets like that he's had, like, I'm like, man, this dude's due for like, even if he doesn't go off for big yardage, right. Because he's still recovering from his knee injury, like just 
fall into the end zone twice. Like it could easily happen with the number of targets that he's getting. It's just not working out. I, I don't know, Ian, like what's going on here, but like, you know, part of it's Brady, part of it's these receivers, part of it's the offensive line. They just, it, part of it is the new NFL, you know, which is stupid and <laughs> wants to take all fun away. Uh, they need to put some rules in like baseball, you know, you know, you can't play shell coverage single high against the rules. Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. I want the passing game back. It's like um, that. It's like that Jerry. Uh, it's like that Jerry Rice tweet. It's like whatever happened to lighting up your best versus their best. And, you know, seeing what happens. Yeah, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to line up three guys over your best, but, um, yeah, K. Dotton did come through, you know, uh, again, wasn't a huge target share or anything, but when you throw the ball 74,000 times, like an 11% target share, you know, it turns into six targets, five receptions for 68 yards, and he also had a touchdown. So if you used him, you know, as a guy on on uh, tight end by Mageddon, like good for you with K. Dotton, he's out there 89% of the routes, Cameron Brate missed the game again. Um, you know, I don't know, Ian, like to me, like just K. Dotton looks okay. I'd probably just go with the young dude. Like, do we really need to mess with Cameron Braid anymore? Like, just let this guy play. And uh, it is funny. You guys all remember Dwayne and I did our, I believe we ended up with 10 FFPC drafts uh, throughout the summer, named them all after always Dwayne's idea, these ridiculous kind of evil takes on Girl Scout games. Like, we had Kate Otten in a couple, but I just crack up when Dwayne will text me like, hey, man, so on Samoa Stranglers, like, are we thinking (laughs) Kate Otten or this guy here? Like, God forbid someone looks over my shoulder one time, just going to think that (laughs) you're a serial killer. They're peeking in on, like, the most messed up. uh, I I don't even want to finish that thought. So, anyway, let's Uh, move on to the uh, even more dreadful (laughs) Los Angeles Rams offense. So, I hear, hear both these. I looked this up for both offenses this year. Rams are worse. Bucks are so bad. Yards per play. Bucks are 26. Rams are 32nd. EPA per play, 21st and 27th. Successful play rate, 17th and 27th. Like, but the one part that has really messed up both these teams is the EPA per run play. Bucks are dead last, and the Rams are 30th. And just again, Dwayne, I think we've seen enough this year to realize Daryl Henderson is has been the best and most efficient back in Los Angeles. That said, I can't trust it to continue. You look at this game, and we had Henderson at 49% snaps, Malcolm Brown 27%, Cam Akers at 20%. I mean, hey, we got the prodigy Ronnie Rivers out of the picture, I guess. So that's moving forward well, but. The fact that listen, ha- listen to this checkerboard. So <laughs> Daryl Henderson, he gets 50% of the rushing attempts. Cam Akers gets 100% of the short down and distance. <sighs> Malcolm Brown gets 93% of the long down and distance. When you're inside the 10, it's 50% to Daryl Henderson, 25% to Malcolm Brown and 25% to Cam Akers. Like this thing is jacked up. Like, I mean, this is like all over the place. I, I'm with Henderson you. Henderson right. looked like, the best, but and he got the we most have, work. Like, we have by far no idea. Work. But yeah, we have no we idea if this is going to continue, and that's the worst part. That's all. And they don't. Here's the thing: they don't like their running backs. It's very apparent. They don't I don't like either. Them. I don't either. <laughs> I don't like them. I don't like them either. Uh, you know, and they can't. They can't block. And we're probably going to get Kyron Williams back, and it's just going to make it even messier next weekend. Like, because I know he was close. I'll be honest. If I was the Rams, I'd be like, we're not running. We're not running the ball. We're only running play action. We're, we're only running play action. We're not actually ever going to hand the ball off. And anytime we get the ball to the running back, it's just literally going to be a swing pass. And so maybe Kyron Williams is the better fit. It doesn't matter. You don't look, I've got Kyron Williams on some teams. Ian, we have him together, but it's only because we play like in some of these skank leagues where there's nothing, <laughs> there's literally nothing. Even if we wanted to drop Kyron Williams, like we're looking at the names, there's no one to pick up. There's no one even in our chat room right now. They wouldn't even know any of these names. So it's yeah, it's a complete mess. 
Shout out Nathan Yonke. He said Kyron Williams is a lottery ticket. A lot of times lottery tickets are nothing, but you also don't see too many lottery tickets out there. So continue to trust that to an extent. Uh, But yeah, just at this point, we hope Matthew Stafford can continue to exist in those, you know, few plays where Cooper Cup puts up big time numbers. And he at least did that in this one again. Eight catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Despite all this, man, easily the worst offense of Sean McVay's entire, I'm assuming life, but at least his, you know, Rams tenure here. Cooper Cup on pace for 153 catches, which would break Michael Thomas's record of 149 receptions. We can get into, you know, our uh, whatever the this hell. It really is called. crazy, Ian, that, that Cooper Cup can keep this up despite the complete, like, just collapse of this offense. The efficiency I mean, is it. like last, it's not yeah, as bonkers, but still. it's not as bonkers, but his fantasy points are there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, so it's like you would think essentially to your point, the same role, the efficiencies coming down that it would have a bigger impact on his fantasy points. I do think it hurts his ceiling, obviously, and it could eventually catch up with Cooper cup. Um, you know, I, I know my confidence in him, like is just, look, you love him. If you have him, you're playing him, you know, but you do kind of wonder, you're like, man, can he keep doing it? Cause he's all they have. Like how can a defense not take him away? And I get it. Like I know how McVay schemes, like I've studied it. I've looked at it. He does some really cool stuff, but he's all they have. Why can a defense not figure this out? I mean, if you can stop Cooper cup, you're going to beat the Rams anyway. Maybe that's why <laughs> you're just going to beat the Rams. Cause they're going to beat themselves. But like, if you take away Cooper cup, like they have nothing. I, I don't get it. And I, I get it. Like He's a really good player. So I get that part, but man, it's just, it's baffling to me. Like that as bad as they are, he can continue to put up 25 and 30 uh, fantasy points. I'm not trying to be a dick here. Allen Robinson, I thought had an impressive three catches for 24 <laughs> yards. You can't use in fantasy. I'm just saying he made a couple of nice diving catches. Uh, yeah. Tyler Higby goose egg on one target. Yeah. Higby again, blocking again, two weeks in a row. Now Tyler Higby has to stay in the block. 80% snap rate, 58% route participation because the offensive line is freaking terrible. You can cut one Tyler Higby. He is now a low end tight end too. Yeah. I mean, look, I did not think that Higby's first half stuff was going to continue because again, the two worst stretches we've seen from Sean McVay's offense have coincided with Higby getting force fed the ball. Clearly that wasn't the plan. Did I think this was going to go as bad as it has? Not exactly, but yeah, Dwayne, at this point, guys like Kate Otten, I mean, you'll take Kate Otten, Foster Moreau, and these random guys that are just out there on the field because at this point, we can't even guarantee that for Tyler Higby. Only two notes. Uh, our guy Bennett Skroenek had an easy eight-yard touchdown. Too bad Matthew Stafford skipped it in. Bad throw on that one. Uh, Van Jefferson out there still looking for that first catch of the season. He could have had a 30-yard gain, hit him right between the numbers, unfortunately dropped it. Later, he seemed to have a step deep with Stafford, again, behind that offensive line. Too much pressure to put the ball on the money, which takes us to our final game. Again, very entertaining Sunday night matchup. Why Dwayne and I got started a little bit later tonight, but you know what? For the sake of good football, no problems there. Chiefs 20, Titans 17. Still great effort from the 14-point dog Titans in the under dig cash at 45 and a half. So Patrick Mahomes, 68 pass attempts in this one, Dwayne. Three away from breaking the end. NFL record went out there also ran for 63 yards and a touchdown. He was their offense. I mean, I'm not sure that 
and all the amazing things Mahomes has done. We know how special he is as a ball carrier. I mean, different game, different year. I think it was 2019. That touchdown run he had against this very Titans defense, you know, before halftime, still one of the better ones I've seen from a quarterback. So it's not like we forgot he could move, but the touchdown drive he had at the end of the game where he ends up running in for the touchdown, and then he gets a two-point conversion after a couple penalties. Like, just the fact that Mahomes can do that with his legs and just does it when he feels like, like, it's incredible, man. I feel like a Patrick Mahomes, if he wasn't allowed to pass, like, ever, but the defense didn't understand, like, this was a rule, I think Mahomes could run for, like, 100 yards a game, man. Just the way he continuously sets guys up and the angles for a guy that's obviously fast, but not exactly Lamar Jackson out there. Just, it's, again, just incredible to see Mahomes have a similar performance to, like, Josh Allen, where you look up and you see the Chiefs scored 20 points. Hey, maybe Mahomes had a little bit of a down day in fantasy. Nope, 446 yards through the air and those aforementioned rushing yardage. So kings stay kings. And as we know, Patrick Mahomes is absolutely a king. Unfortunately, Dwayne, no closer to kind of sorting out this backfield. Isaiah Pacheco, five carries, five yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, four carries, five yards. Jarek McKinnon, three carries, four yards. Just like Jerome Bettis without the touchdowns back in the day, basically. So if you look at the snaps <laughs> on it, we did have... Oh my God, I'm just seeing this now. This is insane. Jarek McKinnon played 63 of 101 snaps. Pacheco had 22. Clyde had 17. I was thinking, Dwayne, we got the Pacheco starting running back, the starting running back, y'all, before the bye. We had another bye to come in. At this point, I think we're once again looking at a Chiefs backfield and we're no closer to knowing who the hell we can even come close to trusting in Fantasyland. Yeah, and you're afraid to drop them because you know as soon as you do, that'll be the week they suffer an injury you know, and you actually potentially get one declared. I was, I was with you. I even, I had, you know, put something out into the universe earlier this week. Like, Hey, you know, let's give Pacheco one more chance. If he's sitting on your wire, like pick him up. We saw him get the start the week before the bye. Maybe we get the bye week bump. Maybe we come out and we're surprised, you know, he gets 50% of the work, but obviously they're very committed to just sticking with this three-way rotation. You can't really, even McKinnon, like you can't, even though when he gets these 60%, like he gets, his snap shares are very empty, even though he gets this work in the passing game, because Patrick Mahomes just doesn't really check it down very much. He's just, and you guys see it when you watch Patrick Mahomes, that's the beauty of him. When he does these things, when he runs around, like he's buying time to make the throw down the field. That's all he's doing. And if not, like he's also fully capable to your point in of taking off. And a lot of times he might think at that moment, well, I can just take off and get 15 here versus trying to dump it to McKinnon. And he's got a guy close to him. There were some plays, man, like on the two-point conversion, McKinnon was kind of open in the flat, and he looks at Mahomes, and he just turns around and starts blocking. Like, he gets into (laughs) it. Yeah, exactly. So, and McKinnon had a really good catch in the game, you know. Uh, You know, I mean, he's he's a solid receiver out of the backfield, but it's tough to do anything with these guys. You know, if you're playing in 10-teamers, 8-teamers, obviously, you've probably moved on from all of them. Um, If you're in a 12-team league, you know, it gets a little more dicey. I think, you know, I don't know, but they're all droppable if you need to. Um, I think, you know, could one of them end up doing something down the road? Absolutely. Like, and if, but, but you can adjust, you know, when that occurs. So it's tough whenever you get into some of these bye weeks and things and you've got, you know, these guys that you can't feel like you can really use in your lineup. They have upside, but it's, it's tough to, it's tough to continue to hang on. I can't believe, I mean, I guess I can believe it, but. I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't seen Rojo get like even one chance out there, man. Cause like they're not, you using- probably would if there was an injury though, that's the other problem because they haven't let him go. Like Rojo probably yeah. like say, say Pacheco got hurt. 
I mean, Rojo's probably coming in. Clyde Edwards Alaire gets hurt. Rojo's probably going to be part of the rotation. It's not, we're not even going to be down to two backs yet. Now, we did see the debut of Kadarius Tony. Got the start out there. First pass of the game went to him, and he had an absolutely filthy route out there. So you know, we now have that Cowboys game from a couple years ago, a little bit of the Saints, a little bit of the Rams, and now we got the growing four-game sample size of Kadarius Tony, looking like one of the most electric players on the football field. And we got a fun little segment from Chris Collinsworth, who hasn't been on this podcast. I mean, we've been on the Chris Collinsworth podcast, and I don't want to say he stole our line that Kadarius Tony might win a uh, game of tag out of everyone out there but you know sir i'm not, not sure that was the you know the most original thought all that aside Kadarius tony just nine snaps in this one obviously you know was only going to be out there for a handful of plays you know coming in just two weeks before but he looks healthy and honestly in this offense as we kind of expected it's going to be more of an issue for guys like Miko Hardman, like Sky Moore, and even like Justin Watson. So Miko did manage to find the end zone again, but it's Juju Smith-Schuster, it's MBS, and then it's everyone else. For now, we'll see if Tony can really seize that number three role here sooner rather than later. Yeah, and he's a guy that you want to have on your bench if you can, because the other guys really are just guys, you know, and and so. Anytime you have a talented player join a group like this, where you know they want to pass all the time, you got Patrick Mahomes like. There's an easier, like this one is easier than the running backs, in my opinion. Cause I think Tony, yes, we're dealing with a limited sample size, but from what we've seen, like he's clearly good enough to be maybe the best receiver on the team. Like when we look at all the running backs, there's things I like about each one, but it's not like we're looking at one of them and like, man, why is Pacheco not the lead back? Why is CEH not the lead back? Why is Jared Mc like you're kind of like, I get why they're a committee. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, you know, and that's what I think about the rest of those receivers as well. But then when you see what Tony can do, I'm like, okay, like there's an opportunity like that Tony really could take over more. There's a chance he's just stuck in this nasty rotation. Like that could happen as well. But he has the kind of upside that you definitely still want to bet on, especially in this offense. Hopefully we will see that role expand. I have noticed with Hardman, like they just – like the thing where he's coming through is like they just love him down inside the 10-yard line. Like yeah. They really like having Hardman on the field, getting him in motion, doing some of those things, things like what we see really, you know, the Dolphins offense do. And really, this is something that Andy Reid was doing with Tyreek Hill. Part of that probably came from Andy Reid. Tyreek Hill probably was telling them about these kind of plays. And that's where some of that and then that got molded together with things that we've seen Mike McDaniel do in the past. And now you have this really cool concept that's going on in Miami. But Hardman. I will say he's been very active down inside the 10. I did still see a play to that tonight where, you know, Mahomes was doing the classic, you know, giving him the look like, dude, what are you doing? You're going the wrong way <laughs> kind of thing, which is like every game it's going to happen to me, Cole Hardman. So, but if he, if they really like him in that role, like that could be a limiting factor, right? On a guy like Kadarius Tony. But again, I'm still just going to lean into Tony and be like, you know, after Kelsey, I think he's the best talent on the roster and just hope that he eventually lands on the field. It is. We got, again, it's a new situation. They wouldn't have traded that for Tony if they just completely felt great about Hardman being a full-time guy. It is interesting, Dwayne. He's got four touchdowns in his last two games with the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, if this was any other wide receiver on the Chiefs, we'd be losing what our were his, minds. What were his snaps tonight or his route participation? Does Nathan have route participation up yet? We have the total routes, yeah. So he was only 45 of 78 routes. We had MBS at 56, Juju at 69. So, okay, we actually had MBS taking a little bit of a back seat, Juju really being the one guy still taking the whole lead. And, I mean, we can okay. see that in targets as well. MBS just one target. Juju had 12. And, you know, Dwayne, I, uh, it might be my fault. 
I think I tweeted like in week four or week five, uh, Juju Smith, not this year's Cooper Cup Schuster. And uh, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, Cooper Cup. And again, that whole thing for me, I think I thought it was a ridiculous kind of, I understand people had different ways that they were trying to phrase that question, but the man just scored the most fantasy points of all freaking time in a single season. Can we not figure out someone else to compare? But Juju, before the bye, back-to-back games, I believe over 100 yards and a touchdown. And in this one, 10 catches, 88 yards. It does seem like when defenses were able to take away Kelsey for a little bit, and you look up at the end, he still got 106 yards, 10 catches and could have had an extra 30 yards with a better pass at the end of the fourth. But quite a few games in a row now where Juju has given us a great floor. If anyone is going to definitely survive with Kadarius Tony making things more complicated, it sure seems like it's Juju. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at the way the defenses are playing, right, they're inviting you to throw inside and underneath. Like, they're they're telling you, we're not letting you throw outside and down the field. Like, that's what they're telling Patrick Mahomes. So the other player on the Chiefs' offense is most likely to be targeted in that scenario outside of Travis Kelsey, who works in that range, is Juju Smith-Schuster. Because really, MVS is outside. You know, he's working more down the field. And then, you know, Mikkel Hardman, you know, he does get moved around like a chess piece. So he'll catch some swing passes and push passes, all that kind of stuff. But if he's running his normal route tree, a lot of times they're trying to make him run deeper. So it makes sense, right, that these would be the two guys. I don't think Juju's actually playing like great. Like when I watch it, I'm just like, yeah, he's just running out there against the zone coverage and he turned around. Awesome. Yeah. Like, and he gets the ball thrown to him. Now, I'm not trying to take it away from Juju. He's off, obviously, you know, as Mike Tirico said, you know, he's got a great personality. You know, <laughs> I mean, like if you're trying to introduce your friend to a new fantasy player, like that they should put on their team, you know, and they're not really that great, you got to let them know they got a good personality. You know, Juju's got a good personality, Ian. So, got to go All with right. that. On the Titan side of things, you know, big dog doing big dog shit. It's funny, Dwayne. We can go back to that. <laughs> it was during a Colts podcast, but we start getting into Derrick Henry versus Austin Eckler. And it's like, yeah. I, I, I guess you won. I mean, Eckler's definitely. Dude, they both look great. That's yes, the thing. I, like, <laughs> I, Yes, I won, but I, I don't look. I, you're happy with either player. Like, that's the thing. Like, okay, I guess I lost, but I'll take it if it still means having Derrick Henry <laughs> on the squad. You know, and yeah, another game. Just 115 yards and two touchdowns. And last year, you know, he didn't get credit for having the league high in rushing yards per game because I guess he only played eight games even though he had over 200 rush attempts in that uh, you know half season sample size but it's now four straight years and I'm guessing it's going to still be the same after this one of Derrick Henry being the NFL's RB1 in rushing yards per game so king stayed kings especially this one but yeah other than that it was the Malik Willis experience and we definitely saw far more flashes than we did in the previous game but my god man what is it about primetime games that just makes people think they can and tweet whatever they want. Maybe that should be the motto for primetime games, but just the the slander on Ryan Tannehill, man, after Malik like throws like an incomplete pass down the sideline that, yeah, you know, it was a great ball. It got dropped by Chris Conley, who's apparently playing for the Titans now at this point in his career. But come on, man, this is still a guy that just went five for 16 passing. And as much as you can say, oh, he should have had 30 extra yards with Chris Conley. You know, he gave Nick Westbrook-Akini a catchable ball down the sideline. That's fine. Yeah, he also had 48 yards on a freaking tight end screen to start the game, helping that old stat line. So for me, Malik Willis, he's their clear backup, man. Ryan Tannehill, how many top 10, 12 stats? It's like Geno Smith, man. At some point, Ryan Tannehill, we need to accept he's a pretty good quarterback because every single stat that tells us he's a good quarterback is also reflecting that. And guess what? The wide receivers that are non-existent, not able to help Malik Willis, it's not like they've been turning into Superman when Ryan Tannehill is under center. So Malik Willis did chip in those 40 rushing yards. Unfortunately, Dwayne, I think this Titans defense and Derrick Henry, 
it's too good of a team to really expect a full Malik Willis experience, I think, in a similar manner as maybe, say, a Justin Fields or maybe, say, one maybe early career Josh Allen, who teams that were basically like, you know, we're not really here to win overly win games or the roster's not in a shape to do that. So go out there and do whatever you want. So, you know, we were texting, I think, yesterday, and I brought up the point how if you do look at the Titans schedule, man, it's like weeks 14 through 16, it's like Jacksonville to get the Texans and they got another layup in there. So, if there is a world where Ryan Tannehill may be dealing with a high ankle sprain, maybe not, like how confident are you in Malik Willis potentially becoming this dual threat maven? Because we see the upside there running the ball. He can do it. I mean, that part of his game was not being oversold. The guy has exactly what we're looking for in a fantasy star. I'm not sure he's going to have the volume, though, in this offense that, again, just wants to go fully through Derrick Henry. I think we need both Tannehill and Henry to both be out in order for Malik Willis to fully be unlocked in fantasy. Yeah, and I mean, I th- you know, the schedule's good, like you mentioned, um, but it's just tough to say because, like, it's very clear, like, they're protecting him right now. Like, the way they designed the plays, they, you know, basically, when they were letting him throw the ball was when they would see he would get a one-on-one, you know, on the outside, just put the ball down the field. It's kind of hard to get picked off. You don't have a safety over the top. And he made some nice throws. You know, the receivers didn't really come through. But notice, he was not throwing the ball over the middle of the field, ever. <laughs> ever you know so it was either a screen or you get single coverage outside you can throw it down the field now who's to say that that doesn't expand if he continues to play more like that could certainly happen um and we like we talked about with justin fields like if you can run the ball then you know that's a cheat code there's certainly an opportunity that he could end up playing better as the season goes but right now the way it looks and you brought up the really good points like mike Vrabel, he does he's not going to open that up unless he's forced to And even in this game, like when we saw it towards the end, you could still see he still wanted to kind of play it conservative. Yeah, he did throw the ball three times in a row, and they gave the ball back to Kansas City, but you saw the kind of plays that they were calling. So I think it's going to be problematic, you know, for him. Um, He would have – they would have to open up the playbook more. And and that could happen. Like, he could earn the confidence of the coaching staff. But, I mean, Tannehill's going to be back. So, I mean, unless they decide to shut him down and he's got a worse injury than what we think – or he gets re-injured, yeah, I don't think it's really something to worry about for now. We would have to look at it again, you know, if Tannehill re-injured himself and Malik was going to be the long-term starter through the end of the season. No catches for Titans wide receivers. A.J. Brown was tweeting uh, tweeting along with the game, uh, obviously coming off that Thursday night. When we even got a graphic up there on Sunday Night Football, Titans wide receivers collectively, 51 catches, 658 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown this season, 43 catches, 718 yards and six touchdowns. So I know, I know, they have Derrick Henry. They've won freaking, you know, they have won five games before this one, I believe, in a row. So Mike Vrabel and company doing something right. Why would they throw to, you know, these other receivers? But it's just the reality that would be a lot cooler if A.J. Brown was still on the squad. Last question for you, Dwayne. Appreciate all you guys in YouTube chat hanging out with us. Always appreciate the overwhelming positivity you guys help spread throughout this. But our guy Dave is wondering if there's any hope for Traylon Burks when he returns. I'm going to say no. If you're in a deep, if you have a deeper bench or something like, okay, it's similar to more so I'd say Kyron Williams, but like I, I view Traylon Brooks at this point as a lottery ticket, man. I just don't know where the volume's coming from. Again, I think we're unfortunately an injury to Derrick Henry away from anybody in this passing game being worth a damn in fantasy. I think if you have Ryan Tannehill under center and Traylon Brooks is playing good, like absolutely. Like I like him. I mean, I think you're to your point, you need to be in a deeper league. You're not doing it in an eight teamer unless you've got, you know, uh, super deep benches. 
But no, Traylon Burks is a guy over the last two weeks. I've just started picking him up everywhere mm-hmm. um, because they, because Tennessee doesn't have anything. You're to your point. He's still a lottery ticket. But again, you know, kind of back to Nathan's thing, like you don't always have lottery tickets available. True. So a lot of these other receivers we're looking at that are sitting out there, you know, they're really short term fixes. They don't have a talent profile, at least with Burks, even though it's been a rough start to his career. We saw flashes early on, like the targets per route run were there. His route participation was increasing. So there's a real chance. And we've seen it with A.J. Brown. We're not saying he is A.J. Brown, but like his stylistically, like he can fit in the offense. He's a guy that you run play action. You get him in behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. You let him do all his damage after the catch. Ryan Tannehill's shown that like, that's an area of the field that he can really operate, you know, with a high, you know, degree of success, especially running play action when you've got a guy like Derrick Henry. So yeah, I, I like, I like Traylon Burks. Like he's the kind of guy that I think we could look up in week 15 or 16 and be like, Whoa, glad I picked him up. He's my wide receiver three. He gives you a wide receiver one week. You win your league. Like he has that kind of upside. And if you look at the waiver wire, like how many just actual starting wide receivers are out there. So just by that virtue, on top of everything else you added. Okay. I came in a little harsh there, Dwayne. You caught me. You caught me sleeping at two hours into this at almost 2 a.m. Eastern (laughs) time. That's why it's teamwork, man. (laughs) Makes the dream work, some might say. All right, everyone. Appreciate you all tuning in with us. Kind of a shorter one uh, for us, Dwayne. Didn't even get to two hours and 30 minutes. But we are not slacking. It's just, you know, having less game of six teams on by. And guess what? Four more on by going to next week. So we will have you covered. All things at PFF and you always know. MB Fantasy Life. Dwayne, let the folks know what you got on tap. And, you know, is the coffee coming now? Because you got some utilization reporting to do, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I know. After the overtime game, I thought tonight, like with the six teams on by, like we'd probably be done by like midnight. Uh, but then the <laughs> overtime got us. But that's OK. We're, we're having a good time. But yeah, you guys can find all my work over at FantasyLife.com. So obviously the utilization report, which you get the, you know, the full version over at PFF. You get all the high level takeaways over at Fantasy Life. But then I do my rankings and tiers there as well that usually comes out either wednesday night or first thing on thursday uh you can check out all of our ranks we've got all of our tools waiver wire tools you know our player prop tools you heard ian talking earlier about prize picks and all these different things a lot of cool tools all for free ian over at fantasylife.com so people need to make sure they go check it out also we've got an awesome newsletter takes you five minutes in the morning you get it first thing in the inbox you get to know everything you need to know for the day about fantasy so you're up to date on the news you're ahead of your league mates and again that's free as that's free as well you can get that if you just check out my twitter handle at Dwayne mcfarland d-w-a-i-n-m-c-f-a-r-l-a-n-d i have a spot where you can actually subscribe right there or you just go to the website whichever you want I always forget it's free. And then I remember it's like, my God, what a great, how would not, how could someone not take advantage of this? It's free. All right. Like, that's all we need to say. At it's this like point. the old Jimmy Fallon. It's free money. <laughs> free money. But all right, speaking of free money, like how can we stop with the Terry's money thing on Fox? And hey, you know, I just, I'm, I'm not trying to <laughs> hit on Terry. Doing I, that? Yes. I just, whatever you think of Terry, I just don't know why, like, it's Terry's money, man. I, I don't really want to take Terry's money. Can like I'll take Fox's money, but like what am I gonna take Terry's money for? Like, do you are you just relying on people? He, had, he had a Girl Scout moment today, Ian. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't see he had it, a Girl but... Scout moment on the air. Yeah. You know, he got dark. He okay. got dark and everybody kind of laid out on him like Strahan and everybody were all like and Howie was like, Wow, that got it was like one of our moments. <laughs> 
I always appreciate Terry. I remember I read his biography when I was a kid, and a lot of good, uh, a lot of good notes in there. So hey, winners, winners win, and you know Terry Bradshaw has done that more than just about anyone. So before uh, we get into too much more, I got a bottle of Pinot Noir to put a major dent into Dwayne. So with that, we will go ahead and get out of here. Again, appreciate all you guys tuning in for Dwayne. Ah, man, thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>